This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Happy Tuesday to you all, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson back in the chair today. Shout out to Remo, Matt Leibel, and the gang for holding it down yesterday. As I was in transit back from uh, back from the AFC Championship, I'm still on a high. In fact, the last 48 hours um, between the Chiefs' win in Kansas City and getting back just in time to see Josh Morrissey put an entire team in a city on his back in that Winnipeg Jets win. It's been a pretty great 48 hours, and um, we'll be all over it today on the program. Huge trade yesterday in the National Hockey League. The first domino falling as we get closer to the trade deadline. Bo Horvat going to the New York Islanders. We'll break that one down with Scott Cullen. Always enjoy Scott's chats on the uh, on the show. And then Mike McIntyre is going to jump on. And, um, man, there's lots to get to uh, coming out of last night's game at Canada Life Centre, uh, which will, in the future, I think, be referred to as the Morrissey game, certainly here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, and then... You knew that I'd be talking a little football today. Uh, my guy, Benny Heising, Casey's going to join us in the second hour of the program. We'll talk about the AFC Championship game and the upcoming Super Bowl matchup that certainly we'll uh, spend quite a bit of time on next week as we get closer to kickoff between the Eagles and Chiefs in Glendale, Arizona, a week from Sunday. Um, just before we get going on everything, um, welcome to everyone watching on YouTube. Make sure you've subscribed to the channel if you haven't already, and shout out to the podcast listeners as well. If you are a podcast listener and you haven't checked out uh, the YouTube channel with video, uh, certainly do that. Get a sub in, and when you're uh, able to join us, uh, always fun to join live between 1 and 3 p.m. when we crank the shows out between Monday and a Friday. And, of course, a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Canadian Club, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and we'll certainly get to a why not question of the day for the gang over at Not Auto Corp. Michael Remus, uh, place is still standing. Show went well yesterday. Uh, thanks for holding it down as uh, as I got back. What's going on? How are you? Well, I'm feeling great now that we have a Jets win. Because uh, it wasn't looking great there uh, for a bit through that game. But there's a win. Everyone's feeling good heading into the break. That was the big talk yesterday. Is this a must win? And overwhelming majority of the chat said yes it was um you know i don't yeah, know what was, was the chat last night after that game against philly on saturday was it uh, was that the low point of the season it kind of felt like it from afar it felt like if they lost you thought they were spir- spiraling down into 2019 i think we all thought this was a good team but you kind of felt like history might have been able to repeat itself and we saw yesterday this team was able to overcome adversity and their difference makers were able to make a difference after getting called out on Saturday. So oh. um, I don't I think, you know, you look at this. I said you look at the spot in the standings. They were still comfortably in a playoff spot, you know, time to turn around. The teams around them um, were all going in a similar path here um, with the Wild and Dallas. Not exactly. You know, they were like around 500 in the last 10. So same with the Jets. So was the timing was okay. They just needed to get feel good and actually score a goal. I mean, Mike pointed out in his column, 
They scored five goals in their last five losses. That's not what this team is about, and scored almost equaled that in last night's win. Well, I mean, never mind that. I mean, I was thinking back to, I mean, the Nashville game was a week ago today. And Doobie scored in the first minute of that game. They didn't score for the rest of the way. They came back home to play the Buffalo Sabres and were shut out for 55 minutes, scored two late goals, and sort of made a really ugly game look a little bit better on the scoreboard. And then got shut out by Carter Hart and the Philadelphia Flyers on a Saturday night game at home. And, yeah, I mean, listen, this, I think, was the, was the low point of the season right now, and it was quite clear. And, listen, we're going to get to this um, <laughs> in a minute with the performance of Josh Morrissey that there was a lot of tension around the team. Certainly, I think you were feeling the tension in the fan base yesterday, um, and it was pretty hard to avoid it. Now, I mean, I, I try not to take too much from social media because – Often the loudest, most negative people spend, you know, have have a, a an amplified voice in and around there. But it would be naive not to think that even the most positive of fans of the Winnipeg Jets weren't concerned. And never mind the fans, the coach was concerned. Um, I know you probably talked about this yesterday, Remo, but Rick Bonus spit an absolute fire after that game on Saturday night, and I can understand why. Um, but listen, we've said this before, um, you know, with all the highs that this season has brought, it is a long 82 game grind. And even the best teams in the league, uh, are going to have, you know, high highs, but we'll also have some lows. Now I'm not, don't think we're ready to put the jets. Certainly if you've watched them play in the last week or so amongst the best teams in the league, but you know, where they are, they've earned a spot amongst contenders and, you know, to have the start of this homestand and the timing of it, of course, going into the All-Star game and the All-Star break and 11-day break, um, I, I, I think the coach knew that this was a unique, uniquely challenging time for his staff and the club. That was part of the reason why he brought the guys in early against Buffalo, and obviously we spent enough time talking about that Buffalo game on Friday. Um, but the fact that it kind of continued through the Philly game made yesterday – that much more of a a crucial performance, I think, with the Jets. Now, uh, you know, some will dispute that. And even part of me thinks that, well, you know, win or lose, you're going into 11-day break and, you know, you're going to have to get back at it and really wind it back up. And I'm not sure whether this the game last night would have much of an effect on it. Well, that was before we saw the third period and what Josh Morrissey in particular did. Um, the way that the team uh, rallied around I was about to say their captain, um, the guy that will be getting the C. I think I can safely say that now. And I tweeted out last night, why wait until September? Give him the damn C now. Um, this can be a game that I think they can really lean on later on in the season in, you know, you're during times of adversity, which there will be more of. Um, but man, Reem, I mean, the, the, the way that the team played, in that third period. And it just seemed like it was going to take one. And um, Josh Morrissey provided that one, but it was much more than just one goal. It was his reaction, his, um, <laughs> his, I don't know whether, and we'll get to this, I guess, whether it would be calling out the crowd or trying to get them fired up and behind them um, was a moment that I think we'll remember for a long time. And in the, in the long story that is this season 
Um, I think we'll look back at this as one of the defining moments, hopefully, of a team um, and a player that has raised his level of game and um, raised everyone around him in that uh, in that third period. Yeah, he was definitely very fired up. And look, the Jets, even though they were down to nothing, you know, they had chances. They were playing well. And it's funny, we had on Lou Korak from NHL.com who covers the Blues. And I asked him about Bennington. And he said, you know, Bennington's played pretty good. They just keep giving up all these chances. You know, he's been better than his numbers. Well, he definitely played like it yesterday. I mean, he kept uh, kept them in it. The Jets had multiple uh, two-on-ones. Uh, Menelainen was the shooter and the passer on a, on a couple of Shifley point blank chance Dubois partial breakaway and you could even see they were kind of squeezing the sticks at least Dubois was a little tight you know I think he had a, a Morgan Barron almost broke his stick over his head at one point kind of doing it I yeah. mean there yeah there's no doubt I mean that that term squeezing the sticks yeah if you wanted a video video demonstra- demonstration of that show the Jets in the third period show the Jets on the power plane I think that was uh very very appropriate and the dam had to break at some mm-hmm. point but man did they Sometimes you can get a goal and it's great uh, and you feel a little bit better, but, I mean, they didn't stop back. And, man, bang, bang, shout out Dennis Bayak, 21 seconds apart to go from trailing to leading in the game. And as Mark Shifley talked about after the game, and we'll get to some of these comments in a minute, um, you know, they certainly didn't sit back on their lead as well. I mean, um, I think they felt that they were due. The dam had broken. I mean, they were uh, they were pushing, but... Um, to me, as I said, I mean, there were plenty of performances. Connor Hellebach, you know, playing well to keep the team in the game at times last night. Um, certainly some issues on defense. I mean, the two goals that went in were, um, you know, somewhat miscues. Certainly the first one, Sandberg and Capobianco did not play that one well. Um, and Josh Morrissey thought that it was offside. And, you know, obviously they squeaked that pass in and uh, uh, made it happen. But Morrissey... And listen, the goal was one thing, Remo, but to me, I don't know how anyone, whether you were in the building last night or watching on Sportsnet, could not feel that that was a moment when it happened and it made it that much more interesting to see how the Jets would continue after that point. And it went exactly the way the team. And I think Josh hoped when he did something that was very, very out of character for him over the course of his career. Yeah, he was very fired up and I, I know, but they had the five-on-three power play at the end of the second. The power play yesterday, not great. 0 for 6, traditionally been pretty good for this team. And after, you know, Saturday's performance where the crowd booed and Rick Bonus said, I'm surprised there wasn't more boos. I wonder if people thought they had the license uh, to boo them. Even when they were playing, like, pretty pretty well, they were just getting goalied. Um, they were, out, you know, outplaying them. Bennington was doing his, doing his thing and, um, you know, looked, playing pretty well. So... I think it was just a matter of time for the Jets, although it may, may not have felt like that down uh, down 0-2. But um, I think Morrissey was reacting to maybe some of the negative energy they got in terms of booing, but also wanted to fire up the crowd. And it, it did propel them you know, to the lead. And uh, you look at this graph us from Money Puck that has the, what, expected uh, ch- you know, ex- win probability, chances of winning. You know, they have the Blues down here at about, like, you know, 90% to win. Then all of a sudden the graph spikes, and next thing you know, right away, uh, the Jets are the ones with the eighty-three uh, percent chance of winning before the before the empty netter. So it's, it just shows you how much this game was in the Blues' favor. Morrissey scores, you know, right after you know they make it two nothing, and you think, oh no, we're going to go into the break here with the Jets on a loss, and 
it just flipped flipped on its head right away with that goal. But, you know, great shot. They had had two on ones before where they weren't able to score. Uh, he ripped one past Bennington, and then next thing you know, um, you know, turnover. Uh, Shafley scores point point blank, and he had that chance. Same chance in the first period. I think off an Ehlers um, Ehlers pass from a similar spot. So, I mean, just uh, they stuck with their game. They didn't go with their own program, and their difference makers were difference makers to steal. Uh, some quotes that Rick Bonus used after the four nothing loss on Saturday. By the way, by the way, and like people were wondering, I didn't really tweet and I didn't have any comment. First of all, I was having a lot of fun in KC, getting ready for the game. Vibes were high going into the uh, the the playoff game the next day. But I did make it out, and if you are ever down in Kansas City and you're looking to watch the Jet game, I got to give a big shout out to the Blue Line Hockey Bar down in the River Market who, despite a bunch of college hoops on, the Vegas Golden Knights fans there watching their game, did get a tube on for us to watch Philadelphia and Winnipeg. Um, and, you know, I, I watched the entire game. I thought that, you know, the first period was relatively even. It was back and forth. Um, but they got back to that basically being eliminated to the perimeter and didn't have a great response. And, I mean, I, we were watching the Philly feed, and with there was no sound. So I didn't really want to have any hot takes other than it was pretty disappointing. And then I heard Rick Bonus after the game. And, I mean, that really was as uh, as straightforward um, and angry as we've seen from the coach all year long. And and Kyle Connor, apparently, I didn't catch this. I was still in transit last night. I didn't get back till about the start of the second period. So that's why I wasn't able to make the game. Um, but Kyle Connor talked on the broadcast beforehand about how you know, they're up against it. Things haven't been going well, but they are going to win. And um, there certainly did seem to be, there was a lot of belief, I think, in the club continuing the way they played. But, you know, man, when you're getting goalied like that and you're already coming off some really underwhelming performances and maybe at a low point of the season, you know, some of that doubt creeps in. And there's a lot of things that go into that good feeling. And part of it is what happens within your own building when you're on home ice in the crowd. And, you know, you make a great point about, you know, maybe Bones and his comments about the surprise that there wasn't more booing. Um, you know, in some ways, you know, maybe prodding the crowd along. Because this crowd, I mean, I go to pretty much every game. I mean, that's not something you normally hear from, you know, Winnipeg Jet fans. Even in the last few years when things actually have been disappointing, um, albeit for a while there were no fans, of course, Um you know, that's not a trademark of Winnipeg Jet fans. I mean, this isn't a very... I mean, listen, I thought the fan base maybe got a little entitled after the 2018 run and everything was sort of expected, but I think where we're at right now, the expectations weren't as high as they were before going into this season, and the fact that they have earned a lot of maybe that confidence from Jet fans last week notwithstanding. But the way, the way things were progressing going into the break knowing that it was going to be 11 days off staring another loss on home ice in the face against a team well below you in the standings the Winnipeg Jets needed somebody to step up and not only make a statement on the ice but I think make a bigger statement to everybody watching the game and that was Josh Morrissey and I mean that highlight will be replayed over and over again not because it was the prettiest goal but it was the, the moment afterwards, the let's F and go to the crowd. Um, and the way the crowd responded, I mean, I got to give a lot of the, the, the folks that were there um, uh, credit. I mean, that was probably a sleepier crowd. It's freezing cold. 
It's late January. It's a Monday night game. I mean, th that one probably wasn't at the top of the season ticket uh, draft when you were splitting up your tickets with friends. Um, and I get the frustration of people that have been watching this club, and especially of people that attended the last two games. Um, but it was going to take a special play by a special player. Josh Morrissey has been that special player all season long. Uh, the crowd responded, as did his teammates. And that's why we're talking to uh, probably a very relieved fan base today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And I think the players are in a much better state of mind heading out to wherever they're going for a, a week of R&R, &R, uh, with the exception of Connor and Josh, who, of course, are heading to represent the Jets in Florida at the All-Star Game. Yeah, I saw Kyle Connor post on Twitter that he's uh, taken off to somewhere warm, and I don't blame him. I like to go somewhere warm, too, when it's minus 30 outside. And, yeah, I think they needed the win. They need to feel good. They need to know they get they can get back to playing the way uh, that they were so successful in the first half. They had gotten away from it. And, you know, I think it's important to look at the opponent, the Blues. I mean, they lost to Chicago and Arizona in the last week. They're missing, like, three pretty good forwards in Thomas Buknevich and O'Reilly. Uh, I mean, I see some people in chat saying that uh, this was kind of the nail in their coffin and they're going to be forced to sell. So we'll see what happens with them. But the Jets, I mean, they just lost to Philadelphia. They lost. Uh, I know Buffalo was a pretty good team, but they just had gotten away from their game. And I don't know what it is with the Blues and the Central Division, but the Jets have been pretty good against that. And you want to feel good heading into the break. And I think they can feel good about this one. And when you come back, you got uh, the Chicago Blackhawks waiting for you at home. So hopefully uh, things continue in the W column when they return. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I mean, as bad as uh, Saturday was and Thursday as well, um, you know, that was an important win. And I know you had <laughs> pulled everyone and said it was a must-win game last night. I mean, we'll see whether that was the one that, you know, that makes the difference. But I think it was the way the team rallied and especially – Josh Morrissey with a performance that everyone will remember um, that, you know, that made it special. And that I think, you know, was exactly what the team and God knows what we all needed um, as well. Um, so here we are. Jets are in the books, 52 down, 30 to go heading into the all-star break and 32, 19 and one good for 65 points on the season. Just one point back of the Dallas stars. Dallas does have one game in hand. Um, and then you've got Minnesota, Colorado, and Nashville, who presumably will be playing a few games next week while the Jets are on their bye heading into the 11th of February uh, with some games to make up. But 58-57, Nashville at 54 right now. Um, we're going to talk more about this with Mike McIntyre. Um, and Scott Cullen, as I said, is going to jump on, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about this Bo Horvat trade, which was uh, quite interesting to uh here broken late yesterday afternoon but let's get to some of these clips from last night because uh, while everyone listened to bone spit fire on saturday night uh, he was pretty pretty pleased i think with the way his team played for the full 60 minutes despite not getting results into the third period uh but no doubt that he was asked first and foremost about the performance of josh morrissey number 44. Well, he did, you know, to score 40 seconds after they got that second goal, just turned the whole game around in our favor. So he stepped up big time. That was a hell of a shot and a great rush. I can't hear but it. He, he'd been playing that way the whole game. And uh, so, yeah, sometimes you just step up and uh, be the difference maker. And he was tonight.
Yeah, so there's Bones. Uh, the, the difference makers had to be the difference maker, and Josh Morrissey absolutely made not just a difference, but I think most would agree the difference last night, albeit Mark Shifley with a couple very important goals as well. Um, as much as the goal was a big topic, it was the celebration afterwards and the calling out or calling to the crowd, however you wanted to interpret it, that got a lot of people talking. Here's how the head coach saw that yesterday after after the game. Uh, listen, we had a lot of great opportunities to score. And, you know, I'm being shut out last game and uh, so we're having a tough time putting the puck in the net. So uh, that goal took a lot of weight off of a lot of shoulders and we started to go. Uh, some of those great chances we had early in the game, uh, especially in the first and... Uh, couple in the second Bennington was the big difference so you just stay with it and uh, finally we got one and that was that was a huge relief for everybody and we just fed off of that yeah huge relief is right that being said there was definitely still some work to be done at the time and um, you know they were down to one and you know went another seven minutes before they tied it and then man Josh Morrissey getting that third goal to put them ahead 21 seconds later uh, was huge. Here's Bones on, I mean, he called out the difference makers in the most bl- uh, blunt of terms Saturday night. Here's what he thought about uh, how his difference makers responded. Yeah, no, listen, the difference makers, when I said that, was, wasn't was just focused on the offensive guys. It was the defense. We gave up four goals, so it was kind of both sides of it. But, um, yeah, again, you, you get in a situation like we've been in, we're down, we've lost three in a row, we've had haven't played well at all the the big guys have to step up and they all did tonight all right so there's rick bonus the guys definitely did step up tonight now we'll play a little bit more we'll hear from josh morrissey and mark shifley when mike mcintyre joins us in about 20 or 25 minutes here on the program but we do want to get to this big bo horvat trade um and we're going to talk about that with scott cullen in just a second uh, and then, yes, I am wearing my The Kingdom shirt after the big win at Arrowhead. We will talk NFL as well later on in the second hour of the show. Just before we get to Scott, uh, I-, I told you that, unfortunately, the deep freeze was coming and it's here. Although, it looks like we're going to get a little bit of a break maybe next week. Um, but listen, we all know how sketchy some vehicles can be in and around uh, this time. And the last thing you want is for that sucker to not be starting, calling your buddy for a ride or a boost. It's all about the battery, folks, and Manitoba Battery is the place where you'll save time and money on the best selection of the best products in town while shopping local. If you need a battery test, pop by 1026 Logan Avenue. Donnie and his great staff at Manitoba Battery will test it out, let you know if you're good to go. If you need one, you'll get the best price in town and shop local at Manitoba Battery. But if you do know, if the car's not starting, you do know you need a battery, uh, you'll save time, save money, and gas because they'll deliver it to you anywhere citywide same day if you let them know by 3 p.m. All you need to do is give Manitoba Battery a call or order online at manitobabattery.com for the best price in town and the best service from Donnie and his gang all down on Logan Avenue at Manitoba Battery, the experts for all things batteries. Uh, I know it's a little chilly outside right now, but the PGA's back. We're thinking golf. We're thinking spring and summer. Well, maybe people go on a bit of a holiday. Consolidated Supply is ready for the change of the seasons, and you may be thinking about a landscaping plan or something for your property. Uh, Consolidated Supply can help you out with that. The irrigation experts, not just for golf courses, but 
for your property as well. Artificial turf options. Maybe you're thinking about that dream putting green in the backyard. Spicy and Joe and the guys can help you with that. And if you're thinking about a project to enhance your property, consider a hot tub. How about an outdoor kitchen? They have it all. Find out more at Consolidated Supply. Pop down and see them. They're open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East. And you can also check them out online at cte.ca. Don't forget, I guess today's the last day of January. Last call for nominations for our Unsung Hero program with last night's hero, Josh Morrissey. Of course, we've teamed up with Wallace and Wallace, recognizing people in the community making a difference. Send us an email to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about a person that's spending extra hours volunteering, helping out with charities, or maybe just being that person on the block that is the go-to person in helping anyone and anyone that needs a hand. Unsung Hero at WinnipegSports.com is where you send it. We've got an autographed Josh Morrissey jersey from the All-Star Defenseman for this month's Unsung Hero. And Wallace and Wallace will make a $500 donation to the Dream Factory in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener that made the nomination. And Josh and Margot Mar- Mar- Morrissey will match that as well. So everyone's a winger, winner in our Unsung Hero program with Josh Morrissey and Wallace and Wallace. And just before we bring Scott in, listen, I know it is still cold. There are some people that are still dealing with sickness. Uh, if you need to boost that immune system and get great prices on natural or organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries vita health is the spot and battling colds and sore throats has never been easier with colflex oregano spray made locally by Inatech nutrition colflex oregano spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and helps to maintain immune function get yours today at any vita health location vita health fresh market empowering people to lead healthy lives seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, we will get back to the Jets and we'll probably touch on the Jets a little bit in this segment, but there was a big trade in the National Hockey League, the first domino to fall as we get closer to the NHL trade deadline. And our old pal Scott Cullen joins us now to break it down. He's got a great piece on it at scottcullenhockey.substack.com. Scott, what's up? It's great to have you back on the program. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It is uh, our pleasure, as always. Um, you know, I was in the midst of transit yesterday, and um, I was able to just get into zone where uh, we got the OB pregame show before the Jets and Blues. My phone wasn't particularly uh, getting good data in the middle of nowhere in South and North Dakota, uh, and I heard about the news that Bo Horvat had been traded from the Vancouver Canucks to the New York Islanders. And listen, before we talk about the return and maybe the logic on both sides of making that deal, how surprised were you that it was another team that's right there in and around the playoff bubble or actually on the other side of the line that was making a deal for a pending UFA that surely was in high demand around the league? Yeah, well, that that was the first thing that stood out to me is that, I mean, I think everybody knew that Horvat was going to get traded that he would get traded to the Islanders, a team that, as you say, is on the outside looking in right now at the playoffs, is, I mean, that's that's a big risk, right, for the Islanders. Now, maybe maybe the Islanders are totally prepared to, they're going to pay whatever it takes to keep Bo Horvat around, and maybe that's um, that's the long-term plan. But in the short term, if you're if you're trading, you know, a player picking a prospect uh, to get a guy and you happen to not make the playoffs, that, that would really seem to be, um, you know, that, that would seem to be an ill-advised move for the long-term uh, in your franchise. And so the, the fact that it was the Islanders is surprising to me. Um, and, and in part too, 
uh, you know, never mind where they are in the standings, but just uh, what the fit is going to be uh, with Horvat there. Because if you look at uh, down the middle, they've already got Matthew Barzal, uh, Brock Nelson, John Gabriel Pajot, Casey Sezikas. Somebody there has to move to the wing. And, and maybe it's Barzal. Maybe that that this would free him up to kind of uh, go be more of a playmaker from the wing and let Horvat handle uh, the heavy lifting at center. And maybe, and maybe that works. But it's... You know, when you look at their their roster, you would kind of not look and go, "Oh, they definitely need a center." Uh, that that doesn't necessarily uh, fit what what you uh, what you would necessarily think the uh, Islanders need going into the playoffs. Well, they need a lot of things, um, and, <laughs> yes. and and that they need a lot of things just to get really into the conversation of a team that can legitimately make the playoffs. I mean, I look at the standings right now, Scott. Mm-hmm. They're sixth in the Metropolitan Division at fifty five points. And they've played 52 games right now. I mean, Pittsburgh's ahead of them with three games in hand. And the Washington Capitals are holding on to that final, uh, well, I guess they're two points up on the final spot. Mm-hmm. And there's the Buffalo Sabres right now, by the way. What a run they're on right now. We can maybe touch yeah. on them a little bit. But it was just such a strange, like the, the for the Islanders to make the deal when they did, um, I think was puzzling to a lot of people because they've got maybe, maybe a 20% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. But from a managerial standpoint, do you think Lou Lamorello made this deal when he did to give them enough time to deal with Bo Horvat's agent to see where they're at? And if it's not going to happen and things don't improve for the Islanders in the next three weeks, might we be talking about another Bo Horvat trade before the deadline? Well, I, I saw somebody mention that online, and I kind of thought, you know, it's possible if, if things don't go right here, like the Islanders have made this move soon enough that if, say, all of a sudden they went out and lost five in a row, uh, and, and it really became clear that, no, they're not going to make the playoffs, and and there's some dispute between uh, Horvat's agent and, and what the Islanders want to pay, well, then maybe they could uh, turn around and uh, and deal him. But I also, I also think that the Islanders – are, are looking at their upcoming schedule and probably think there's um, there's some ground that they can gain there. Um, there. There are quite a few teams that they're playing that are not in the playoffs, uh, including Vancouver. Uh, um, and, and so Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, they've got all those teams coming up. And if, and if you can, um, you know, gain some ground early, maybe that gets you back into the playoff picture and, and gives you a chance. And my guess is here from, from the Islanders perspective is that they look at the, the season that uh, Ilya Sorokin's having in net. And they think, look, if we can just get into the playoffs, um, maybe maybe he can steal us a round or two, and and you can just ride the hot goaltender because it's not like you can look at the Islanders and say, oh, they have these great underlying numbers; they're right there, ready to contend. They're not. They're a thoroughly mediocre team, and uh, that needs more offense. And so you bring in Horvat and hope that 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 helps juice your offense a little bit. Uh, and and getting Adam Pellick back from injury uh, should help the defense for the rest of the way. But it's. Uh, they're fighting uphill at this point. As you said, the number of games played in, in particular, when you look at where they are in that race, like the, the, none of that really works in their favor. No, the math just doesn't work. And I mean, I listen, I haven't looked at, a, at the latest, you know, projections, but, you know, usually you're talking about, you know, with how competitive everything's been with the three point games, you really need to get to like 97, 98 points probably to safely be in the playoffs. That's 15, 16 games above 500. Well, the Islanders right now are three and have 30 games left in the in the schedule. So, yeah. do the math. Uh, it's, <laughs> a, it's 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 a very very uphill battle. Um, over to the Vancouver side of things, Scott. 
the Canucks have been, I mean, misery has been almost synonymous with everything around that club. Um, Bo Horvat gets out. We knew that in all likelihood Horvat was going to get traded. Um, was this a haul that was just so good for Vancouver to get that they couldn't refuse to do it now? Or did it surprise you that they made this trade at this point, considering the amount of time that they had to deal with other clubs around the league before, obviously, uh, the deadline? Yeah. I I have to assume that they have explored this, uh, you know, what other teams were willing to offer for Horvat, that, that you wouldn't make this move. You know, a, a gross negligence a, if you more, didn't. Yeah, more than a month ahead of time to, to just make this move and, and and not know what other teams were willing to offer. And I think the the ideal hope here for the uh, for the Canucks is that uh, the conditional first round pick, uh, I believe, is top twelve protected for this year, and, and that if the Islanders don't have success this year, and maybe they, because I, I believe right now they have the thirteenth, um, they would rank thirteenth in the in the draft. Uh, if that's how if the season finished uh, the way it's going based on points percentage, and and so if they you know f- fall off just a little bit and th- and that top twelve pick stays uh, protected with the Islanders for this year, that would give the Canucks an unprotected Islanders pick for next year. And and I don't think you look at the Islanders roster and think oh well they'll definitely be contenders next year. I think if you looked at their roster there you probably think well they'd be scraping and battling and hoping to be in the playoffs a year from now. And so. On, on the upside play there, I can I can see what the Canucks are are hoping for, um, but like I, I again, this is kind of on the assumption that they have made you know calls around the league and they know what other teams are willing to offer. Like I don't I don't necessarily look at Bovillier and Raddy and think, well, these are the two guys who are going to turn the Vancouver Canucks around. I think they could be useful pieces. I think Bovillier is probably most likely to get traded again next year. Um, if you're Vancouver and, you know, presuming that the Canucks aren't contenders next year, and I think that's a, a pretty fair uh, expectation, then, you know, you don't you don't want, and you're trying not to tie up money, well, then you don't want to give Bovillier an extension. You're going to play him next year and hope that you can juice up his numbers a little bit and then trade him. Uh, and, and you know, that's that's how you're going to have to rebuild. And, and the way the Canucks uh, have kind of gone about this, they painted themselves into a corner. Um, you know, the, with the contract extension to JT Miller and then just the number of kind of questionable free agent decisions and acquisitions that they made. And, and you go to the Oliver ekman Larson trade, um, you know, where they got ekman Larson and Garland, and that just ties up so much cap space um, that all of a sudden you have your captain is having the best year of his career and you can't pay the pay the going rate to keep him. And, and so once they kind of put themselves in that position, you, you end up having to rebuild, and the rebuild is going to require them to start shopping a bunch of these veteran guys. Like, I, I look at that Canucks roster, and I basically I think Elias Pettersson and uh, uh, Quinn Hughes are the two guys that you you would say, all right, they're safe. Everyone else is, is pretty much open for business. Um, Scott Collin with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk, breaking down the Bo Horvat trade. Bo Villiers was a player I had actually mentioned last week on the program that I thought might be somewhat of an attractive ad for a team like the Winnipeg Jets of a guy that's versatile, could play, you know, within that middle six, contribute, do a number of things. But you make a great point. And I mean, often, even when you see teams that you know we're going to suck, sign guys to one-year deals. Um, the point is that they know that these will be assets that they can potentially trade and get other assets from other teams at the deadline. And that's a great point for Beauvillier, who does have one more year on his contract. Um, but if you're a team in the Vancouver situation, the pick is a priority. Having a talented young player 
coming in as a prospect is also part of it. Atu Ratu, um, what do we know about him? He's a player that reportedly was a first-round talent that slid to the second round, has not had a ton of time in the National Hockey League. As far as the prospect side of this, um, is this a good fit for Vancouver, and did they do a good job? Well, it's probably a worthwhile risk to take. Now, the interesting thing about uh, Raddy is that in his two years before his draft, he was this kind of up-and-coming phenom that everybody thought, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick, you know, probably a high first-round pick. And then his draft year, he just kind of fell off completely. And and you know, I think he had like six points. Uh, in, Sounds like in, our uh, guy Brad Lark, yeah. the uh, yeah, yeah. big bad in, Brad. In, in, that's right, in, in Liga uh, over in Finland, right? And, and so that's a big reason why he slipped you know you just didn't get production of him but then uh in his year after the draft he was really productive again like not quite a point per game but up there and and so all of a sudden that kind of reestablishes his value as a prospect and 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 so this year uh he's 20 years old this is his first year in north america he's played mostly in american hockey league uh has played a dozen games for the islanders uh, this year has a couple of goals and now i i think when you look at the you know, the statistical profile of what he's done with the Islanders, you would say he's probably not ready yet. Uh, and, and I think the Canucks, their plan is for him to start in the American Hockey League anyway. Uh, but that that kind of makes more sense. Uh, that Give him the rest of the year in the American Hockey League and maybe even next year in the American Hockey League to, to develop and, and turn into, um, you know, a guy who can play top, as a top six forward for you. And I, I think when, when, you know, when you're talking about the pedigree of a prospect and, and, and at one point when he's considered this super talented uh, player, uh, it, it's not it's not the worst gamble uh, to go to go back and, and give that guy a shot um, if it looks like he's kind of turned the corner. And, and from what I've seen uh, just on his production the past couple of years, uh, I think that's probably a worthwhile um, play for the Canucks to make. But I also I don't think that he's going to become some future star there that. Uh, he's you know going going to be the one who leads them out of the wilderness. I think he's kind of a guy who can contribute along the way. Uh, Scott, we often say that the first big deal heading into the deadline in some ways sets the market. Um, what does this say about the market for players, especially rental players, going into the deadline? Well, I mean, I, I think for for the longest time, when you would look at kind of the top rental players, the the, the standard ask was player pick and prospect. Right. And that's kind of what what happened here with Horvat. But I think as you work your way down, it, it becomes harder for other people to ask for a player picking a prospect because you're not getting somebody uh, as good as Horvat. Now, there are others like I think if Ryan O'Reilly's healthy, the Blues will be able to command a, a pretty big return for him. But I think a lot of the um, I mean, part, part of it is I look at the you know number of potential players who could move. And I think there's a lot. Um, just there are so many teams who are out of the. Uh, out of playoff contention that they should there should be lots of players who are available to move and i think that probably means uh the prices might not be that steep uh to get some of these players and and now you know you might have to you know battle it out and and wait until late late on the deadline day to to secure real bargains but i think you know on the supply and demand uh course of this i think there there's going to be more supply uh of of players with expiring deals or, or big name players that could move, you know, guys like Timo Meyer or somebody like that, who's, um, you know, the, he's a restricted free agent, but the, there's been lots of talk about him moving and, and, you know, he, he might command a, a higher price because he has, you know, the team has a little bit more control, but I think those, those rental players um, that there should be a lot of them out there. 
Yeah, well, Timo Meyer is a guy that gets mentioned quite a bit in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat <laughs> right now. And, um, you know, interested your thoughts on the Jets and the season that they've had so far. I mean, they had a real rough stretch going into the third period last night, and Josh Morrissey put the team on his back. I mean, that was a, yeah. a big, big win and a big two points to break a three-game losing streak for the club. Um, but when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, uh, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, and, you know, again, some will say it's pie in the sky, but if you get another top-level elite defenseman that can play on the other pair alongside, uh, you know, with Josh Morrissey holding it down, um, you know, that's sort of what you need for a long, long run. And then, I mean, Meyer's a real difference maker. I mean, that's a legit top-line player. Yeah. The other guy that has been mentioned quite a bit is Jonathan Taves. And listen, I know there's a bit of a romantic story because he is a Winnipeg guy. Um, you know, with the experience that everything that he's done in his career. Um, but he is still a very versatile player, great in faceoffs. Um, interesting, just when you look from afar at the Winnipeg Jets and think about some of those players that are in the mix. I mean, how aggressive would you be if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff? And um, is there a is there one of those players that we mentioned or a spot in the club where you would start uh, as a priority? Well, I think, I mean, one of the things that, you know, in the past few years when we've looked at the, the Jets and thought, oh, you know, the Jets could be contenders and, and maybe it didn't quite work out. Uh, the way it's gone this year is you're getting a great goaltending, obviously, and, and that sort of sets the foundation. Um, but also over these past few years when we talked about how, you know, how good the Jets are and how, how they have a chance to contend. It's because they have such depth of talent up front, like that, that there, are, there are not a lot of teams that can, um, you know, roll out the the skill level uh, of, you know, Nikolai Ehlers and, and Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, and being able to do that kind of gives them the opportunity to, oh, we can, we can add this one player to, to plug into one spot here or one spot there up front, it, which – which I think now that they're, you know, their record has them in the playoffs and and they're kind of in that position. I, I think the the Jets can kind of afford to be selective about it. Um, that they have, you know, the, the firepower certainly up front to um, kind of continue along this way. Um, you know, I mean, they've accomplished the, uh, what they have this year and Nikolai Ehlers, who's probably their best player. At least that's my, you know, that's my look at it from from afar. Is and he's missed a bunch of time, right? And so you know, provided that Ehlers is is healthy. Um, that really gives the Jets, you know, two really strong lines uh, up front. And, and so I, I think when it comes to, like, do you want to add Jonathan Taves? Sure, but I would I would bring in Jonathan Taves and not have huge expectations um, for him to, you know, be a, a, in a leader. I would expect him to be kind of a supporting player and, and be able to, you know, trade on his experience. The fact that, you know, this is a guy who's been there and done that and, and knows uh, how to win, but at the same time, if you look at his production at this level of his career, at this stage of his career, it's just not near um, what it was before. And, yeah, and certainly so, the cost on a Taves is nowhere close to what it is on a Meyer. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, there's also you know the one thing the Jets have going for them is the way that they've handled their salary cap this year. I mean, they're not an LTIR; they are gaining cap space each and every day, um, and that will give them opportunities to maybe take on a player like that. That you know, other teams might not even be able to consider um, and maybe that gets the cost down as well. Sure. And, and I mean, if we're going to talk, say in the case of somebody like Timo Meyer, um, you know, the Jets have uh, some, some decent prospects that they could send, especially some of those young defensemen that <laughs> seem to be battling to try and find a way yeah. into the lineup that if, if you've got an extra one of those, a team like San Jose would probably be very interested, right. Uh, uh, to make that as part of, 
uh, what kind of offer you can make for Timo Meyer. Now, you know, you, you say Timo Meyer's get mentioned in Winnipeg. He gets mentioned in a lot of places. Everywhere. We, we heard about it in Toronto. You hear about it in New Jersey. I mean, any team that wants a, a premier scoring winger is going to be interested in Timo Meyer, basically, right? And so yeah. um, that's – but but if you're the Jets, like I say, I think the Jets are – I mean, you could swing for a home run on Meyer, but you also don't need to swing for a home run on Meyer. You can, you can find, um, you know, complementary wingers like – find Ivan Barbashev. Uh, out of St. Louis because he's a really, you know, versatile guy who can move up and down your lineup, play center, play wing, and and has played, you know, meaningful playoff games and, and done well. And, and so, it, and yes, he might he, he won't cost you what it would cost to get Timo Meyer, but I, I would hazard to guess he he might cost you more than it costs to get Jonathan Davis. Yeah, well, the funny thing is that uh, if Doug Armstrong was holding out hope that his team, you know, had a run in them and uh, maybe they'd be able to kind of get back into that playoff spot, I think the third period last night against the Winnipeg Jets all but um, put that light out. And that's going to be a very interesting team because you've got a guy like Ryan O'Reilly that certainly, I mean, <laughs> we know what he's done in the playoffs before for that team. Yeah. Um, certainly there'll be some demand. Scott, this was awesome as always. Uh, love the Substack. Fill people in on uh, where people can find your content and what you're up to these days. Well, the Substack, I basically dusted off for the Horvat trade. I, I, I suppose <laughs> I'll write a few more uh, when big trades happen, but you can find most of my uh, writing at uh, sportsbookreview.com. Uh, I'm getting handicapping uh, hockey picks basically every day. Um, and so uh, you can always find my uh, Twitter account at by Scott Cullen and everything will be linked there. Uh, and so, yeah, it, I mean, it, we've got a pretty good thing going there. Tons of content with Super Bowl coming up and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. And so I'm really enjoying it and uh, appreciate you having me on today. Well, hey, it's great to have you back on and uh, I'll look forward to that Super Bowl content. And I hope it recognizes the true king of the National Football <laughs> League, number 15 in red. What a what a game. What a weekend yeah. that was. I mean, the NFC game was a bit of a dud with the injury, but the AFC game, as expected, uh, came through as a real thriller. And man, we got a great Super Bowl matchup. We'll look forward to it. Thanks for doing this, pal. Anytime. Thanks. Great stuff. There's Scott Cullen at by Scott Cullen on Twitter, and you can check him out at Sportsbook Review. All right, before Mike comes on, we're going to hear a little bit more from the Winnipeg Jets, including Josh Morrissey, the star of the show last night. Uh, if you've been thinking about what jersey you're going to get, uh, maybe a 44, and I think if you wait a little bit, you might be able to get that C on it down at Royal Sports, the go-to spot for Winnipeg sports fans for all of their favorite teams. Uh, all your Jet jersey gear, lettered, numbered, how you want it, um, and thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. Bomber gear, NFL gear. I'll see whether those Super Bowl jerseys are coming in in time for next week. Um, and, of course, the biggest and best hockey selection in the city. Uh, not to mention skates, and I was mentioned this uh, you know, for the last couple of weeks, but if you are looking for an inexpensive pair of skates just to go out on the river trail or maybe an outdoor rink, Royal Sports has them for you. Pop down and see them, 750 Pemina Highway, and follow them on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Now, while you might be looking to gear up your sports wardrobe over at Royal, um, if you're looking to get your uh, big boy wardrobe improved, F Apparel is the spot. Custom suits for men beginning at just 400 bucks. Um, the entire process is an absolute breeze. Both Michael and I have been down there as of late uh, to pop by and 
you know, get measured up. And then a couple weeks later, you got a great new suit. You can pick out the colors, the fabrics, the styles, and there's way more there. Um, custom shirts, both to be worn tucked or untucked, chinos, golf pants, and more. And great deals for wedding parties and 2023 high school grads. Find out more at fapparel.com or make an appointment or pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street. And, um, hey, we do have a few games in the National Hockey League tonight before it ends. Might be a great night to get out and uh, enjoy some delicious BP wings and a nice cold schooner down at Boston Pizza, the go-to spot for watching Winnipeg Jet games or your... uh, Whatever else is going on in and around the league tonight, I'm going to be paying attention to that Sens-Montreal game because uh, that's where we're going to go with a cool bet daily pick. Boston Pizza, and if it's too cold to go out, order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Mike McIntyre is going to join us in just a second. But before we do that, I want to play this clip from Josh Morrissey because we're certainly going to be talking about this. Remo, if you can cue up number seven. Um... Morrissey was asked about the emotion that he showed of that celebration, trying to get the crowd into it, calling out the crowd. We'll see what Mike thinks about it in just a minute. Uh, But this is what Josh Morrissey had to say after the game last night on how he reacted after breaking that drought and finally getting the Jets on the board. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously a little tough little stretch run here, but we're a heck of a hockey team and, uh, you know, you could feel the tension in the ring. Uh, obviously, uh, fans are getting on us, and at times, rightfully so, um, for sure. But uh, you know, we have a great team. We've got a great uh, group of guys here, and um, you know, it just felt like we were playing a really good game tonight, not getting rewarded. Um, so, tried to get a little emotion. I just kind of blacked out, and uh, you know, we were we're a dangerous team at home when we've got the fans behind us, and. Like I said, um, they had every right to be honest uh, the last few games, but it's kind of like, all right, one went in. You know, we were just waiting for that to happen. Let's go. Let's get on the gas. Let's get them behind us and make it the, you know, the the tough arena that it is to play in. And um, you know, so anyway, it was just emotion. You know, nice to nice to get it. And um, you know, the boys. Uh, like I said, I thought we played well all game, but. Uh, we found a way to, to grind in the third. I think there was one other word between the lets and the go. <laughs> I don't know. You have to read my lips, yes. <laughs> All right, so there's Josh Morrissey after the game. And, you know, just listening to him and thinking about that, I mean, in the, what, 11 years that since the Jets have been back, I mean, there's been some very memorable celebrations, line A's and Bufflin's. That one stands out, though, to me because of how somewhat uncharacteristic it was at Josh Morrissey as well as how important it was at the time of the game. It's easy to have a great celebration when you're blowing a team out. It's a whole other thing when you haven't scored in you know a few games and you're still down in the hockey game. And um, that will lead to a number of other topics. Uh, let's get Mike McIntyre in here from the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, what's up? How are you? Us, let's go. Let's go. Let's freaking go! Uh, I believe it let's is. Freaking go! That was Mark, that was how Mark Shifley would would praise him. Mark Shifley dropped two, not one, but two fricks in the uh, the post game. The Jets, the Jets were freaking fired up after that game, and for good reason. Um, they were they were twenty minutes away from absolutely limping into the All Star break, and you can imagine the sour. Imagine the Jets get shut out again yesterday. 
And that would have been two games in a row on home ice. And and almost three in a row, because don't forget, against Buffalo the other night, Eric Comrie was four minutes or so away from a goose egg. And then the Jets get those two late goals. And then they only scored once in Nashville. So this team needed... And that was in the first minute. It was. <laughs> this team needed something, anything to go right. And, you know, just what a difference to to have that now be what they take with them into this extended break. Uh, I imagine the the pina coladas and the margaritas and uh, whatever else is on tap, uh, it's going to taste a little better uh, between now and, and next Thursday when the team is back in town and, uh, and, and hits the practice ice again. Just a, a real difference, uh, big-time difference. And as you mentioned, Huss, you have to look no further than Winnipeg's all-star defenseman, Josh Morrissey, who, to me, that was a performance for the ages for Josh Morrissey. And as you rightfully said, it, it was a memorable um, it was a memorable period and and game for the team as a whole. And, uh, you know, and Josh Morrissey kind of put the team on his back. I, I tweeted last night and I'm writing a column today about a little bit about this. It was Dustin Bufflin esque in terms of one player's ability to single handedly impact a game. Hockey's the ultimate team sport. And just lose Mike no, there for a second. Oh, he's and back. you know, he, Josh Josh Morrissey certainly was the eye in the in the team last night, and the eye in the win, uh, because he got his team going, he got the crowd going, and you know, he proved that he can be uh, an impact uh, a player, a difference maker. You know, I, I, I'm interested in your perspective on what the message was from Josh Morrissey, because listen, the Jets had played very poorly against Buffalo and Philadelphia. I think anyone that was at that game or watching last night didn't have the same concerns. It was more like, man, this team snake bit. Oh, God, Bennington's hot right now. They have a tough time getting through it. Listen, the power play was 0 for 6, so that was problematic, and that certainly um, will, will get fans anxious and very, very much impatient. But they were this was not the Philadelphia game or the Buffalo game. I mean, they were playing to their structure. They weren't being rewarded. What what you were in the building, what what do you think the message was? Was this a message to the fans? Was it a message to his teammates? Was it something along the lines of okay, we finally got a goal, everyone, let's get on the same page together and keep this thing going in the right direction and we can win this. Yeah, I, you know, first of all, I don't think Josh Morrissey was upset with the Winnipeg fans. And, you know, this wasn't an FU to the crowd. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I mean, this this was, if anything, this was a we need you, as he kind of outlined post game, And we, we finally got something to celebrate here. Let's go. Let's, 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 you know, let's keep this up. And. You know, and it worked. It snowballed. It absolutely did. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't take it. You know, Josh Morrissey talked about you could feel the tension in the building, and I would agree. In the building, you could. This felt – the Jets do not have a lot of margin for error these days, it seems. Part of that is because they, they're not scoring. And so they can play a good game like they were yesterday, but if they would have come out of that with no reward, I dare say, Huss – 
the fear that Rick Bonus and probably a lot of fans have about this team is that they revert back to some old habits. Habits, which, by the way, we saw in the Buffalo and Philly games. Individual play, breakdown of structure, overpassing, trying to skill it up as opposed to mucking it up. If the Jets play well last night but get no reward, I fear what, you know, if anything, the players, that might double down on their their belief that they have to go back to their old ways, you know, and at least score some goals, even if it opens things up and, and makes a mess in their own end. So they needed something good to happen. Josh Morrissey finally, you know, cracks the brick wall that was Bennington. And so I, I saw this almost as a plea to the crowd to, to kind of join him, you know, to get on his back and and join in the battle here and and it worked and so yeah you know I, I think we heard Rick Bonus the other day say I'm surprised there weren't more booze even Josh Morrissey said you know justified at times I don't think the Jets are under any illusion that you know what they had mm. provided in terms of entertainment the last few games was not up to snuff uh, but I say the third period probably more than made up for uh, for it well you know what and I I think that you know you you nailed it in that it was like let's go and we and we need you and uh, listen you know I, I I I was driving back and we were listening to the the start of the game on the uh, on the radio and the, the full pregame show and I was just thinking about this game I knew how down people were coming out of the Philly game and really last week overall um, and, and if the team had lost all these games straight through I mean big opportunity at home going into that uh, into the deadline Listen, this still wasn't a great week to the deadline, excuse me, the all-star break. Right. I mean, you, there really was the, the the fear that, you know, so much of what had been earned earlier on with the wins was literally going to be wasted. And yeah. um, and I think that led to a lot of tension, knowing that there was no other opportunity after this game to uh, to, to do it. And I don't know that the, the – uh, it was so uncharacteristic of Josh – but I think it was so important and the timing of it, um, you know, like he said, at, at times they deserve to be booed. I think it was also important to note that I think unsaid in that was like last night at that time was not that time. That was the time to get behind them and try and will them back in. And um, it worked because it was very clear that that message was heard loud and clear by everyone that had um, bought a ticket to that game last night. And I mean, it was a complete 180. And even over the course of the next, whatever, six minutes while they were still down, I think that absolutely got the crowd in. It felt like an absolutely different building. I'm certainly talking to people that were in the building and said that as well. And um, next thing you know, Dennis Bayak, bang, bang, special bang, bang. two goals. And, um, you know, the team is up and to their credit, they didn't change anything at that point. They kept the foot on the grass uh, gas right through until that final buzzer. Yeah. And I mean, I think in the process, Josh Morrissey kind of cemented himself, uh, you know, uh, legacy status with that performance. You know, it wasn't just the two goals, obviously the, the one that got the team back into it. And then what turned out to be the game winner, in between those two goals, Haas, was that other play where he, you know, he almost is trying to create too much and he gets absolutely walloped. It takes a huge heavy hit where he kind of, you know, is almost trying to create something. 
And he pops right back up, you know, Undertaker style. And again, the crowd loved that because they saw they saw a guy after what had been, you know, a couple games where it just looked not that the Jets weren't trying, but the effort level certainly wasn't what we'd seen early in the year. And fans, I think, were just begging for something to rally around. And Josh Morrissey provided that and then some. So you see a guy score a big goal, get fired up. And, you know, Josh Morrissey's as mild-mannered as they come. You don't see that normally from him. That stood out. And then you see a guy, you know, on one of his next shifts, go take a huge hit because he's trying to make a play. Like, it just seemed like he was bringing his team into the fight, bringing the crowd into the fight. And part of the column that I'm writing today, Haas, is, you know, I've long believed that Josh Morrissey probably should be the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. I'd say just based on what we saw in that third period alone last night, he made a pretty compelling argument uh, for the C, that this is the guy who, you know, can, can make, the difference and if I don't know Rick Bonus's timeline I don't know if he's content to go the whole year um but adding a, a different letter on Josh Morrissey's sweater post all-star break uh probably wouldn't be the worst idea if you I, ask me. I tweeted it out late late last night in the third period I mean why wait till September and it right. was a little tongue-in-cheek they've got a plan I have no idea what they're doing it but it was impossible not to look at that game considering the circumstances, the situation they were in, what was happening, not to mention the season that he's had and the fact that he's on his way right. to the All-Star game and not think that this guy's the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. And and I'm not sure I would have been as... Listen, I certainly think that, you know, with his contract and the player that he's turned out to be, I think that was the smart money. I mean, we kind of had this conversation this year. Adam Lowry... Josh Morrissey, and listen, Adam Lowry is a great leader and does many of those things. Um, I don't think we'll ever see Adam Lowry be able to put a team on his back like Josh Morrissey did yesterday. And and the other thing about it was the way that he picked the spot, what he did with the crowd, that message, yeah. that shows a level of courage and confidence that I'm not sure there's a player in that locker room um, that that has what Josh has right now. You combine the fact of the player and the man that he is, what he does in the community, the way the organization loves him, the fact that he's on an eight-year deal. Um, to me, afterwards, I mean, to me, this is a foregone conclusion in my mind right now. And the only question is whether they think that it would there would be any benefit to doing it during this season right. or we've got a nice press conference when things get going next year in training camp and Rick bonus announces that 44 is changing from an a to a C and is the leader officially anointed on the Winnipeg jets amongst many. Yeah. And it's no slight against Adam Lowry. Adam Lowry would be a, an absolutely solid captain. I just think Josh Morrissey checks off every box you could want. And then some, and you know, this is a guy us, he always is there to answer the bell, win or lose. Um, I, I check this stat. Uh, nobody, absolutely no Jet player, has done more interviews with the media this year than Josh Morrissey. And in fact, it's not even close. He he leads every teammate in the number of appearances that he stood before the cameras. Now, wearing an A, that comes with the territory. 
Um, but again, he he does it more than anybody, and I dare say he does it better than anybody. You you'll never see him get snarky or you know angry. I mean, you you might you'll you'll get passion and emotion for sure, but he'll stand in there and you know field every question, no matter how tough or maybe uh, uh, he may 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 not want to be there, but he does it, and you know he never. He never lets you see that that it's not something he doesn't want to be doing. Like he leads on and off the ice, as you say, his community work, him and his wife, you know, all kinds of charitable causes. And, you know, he's going to go now represent Winnipeg, not just the Jets, but the community down in Florida this week at the All-Star Game, well-deserved. And, you know, I can't think of a better ambassador for the organization. Um you know, I, I wrote this in my column today that'll be in tomorrow's free press house. Like I, it was interesting after the game last night, we go down to the room and there's Mark Chipman having a chat with, with Josh Morrissey. And I can tell you, we don't see the chairman in the room very often anymore. There was a time, you know, we, we'd see him quite often, uh, but I don't see Mark Chipman down there very often. He was there talking to Josh Morrissey and I suspect it was, he like anybody who watched that game last night he loved what he saw and put it this way Josh Morrissey was pretty good for Winnipeg Jets business last night in terms of you know crowd emotion crowd involvement obviously the the big two points before the break and I'm sure the the team's co-owner wanted to go down and kind of personally thank him for the performance I I just think you know to me it's a no-brainer and as you say it's just a question of do you do it now or do you wait till the season ends? Rick Bonus wanted to kind of cast a wide net, see who stepped up, see who emerged. Um, I would think at this point he's got more than enough evidence that Josh Morrissey is his man. Yeah, and, and listen, with all listen, Adam Lowry, awesome player, great teammate. I mean, leader does so many things that you want from a player like that. His role is so different from a player sure. like Josh. I mean, Josh is the minutes leader. He's out there more often than not. And, you know, also has, you know, the ability that he showed last night, if anyone was questioning, to be a guy that, you know, to, to be that captain-like figure that says, and, and it's easy to do things when things are going well. The true test of men or of athletes and competitors is when things aren't going well. And um, the way he's handled it, I think both publicly and, and last night, it makes it a pretty easy decision. And listen, if Adam Lowry was that guy, if they didn't have that other option, would he be able to handle that job? For sure. Um, but I think it would be more being almost a placeholder in t- until that next captain that is not only a great leader and does all the off-ice things that you want, but one of those real difference makers, to use a term that we've <laughs> heard quite a bit this week, um, as it and. um Listen, you know, he's, his play on the ice all year long, I think, has boosted his stock when it comes to that next guy. Yep. But last night, um, I don't think that there's any doubt that whenever this happens, I guarantee you the third period of last night's game will be mentioned in the presser, will be mentioned in the questions that are asking him yes. as a real seminal moment as when Josh Morrissey announced to everyone else, whether they had decided on it or not, that he was the guy leading the way for the Winnipeg Jets and a team that was more than willing to follow him. 
Yeah, and uh, seminal moment's a great way to put it. You know, as I say, there's some comparables to the way Dustin Bufflin was able to take over games. And in a way, this was this was Josh Morrissey's ragdolling to Nashville Predator player <laughs> moment, right? Very, very different players. Josh Morrissey will never be Dustin Bufflin in terms of the physical impact that he can have on a game. But very interesting to note, Huss, like we all think Dustin Bufflin – Massive offensive driver on the back end, right? Dustin Bufflin's best ever season was 56 points. Josh Morrissey is three points off that, and he's got 30 games left. He's going to obliterate the Jets' you know defensive scoring records here. Um, it, it, it's quite something, and and he's doing it you know night in night out, playing the big minutes, you know, playing against the other team's best. And he's, you know, probably him and Connor Hellebuck um, are, are the two reasons that the Jets are where they are, kind of still battling for first in the Central and the West here. And, you know, Josh Morrissey, 27 years old, he signed here long-term, drafted and developed guy, paid his dues in the minors. He's the success story that you love to see, did it the right way, constantly honed his craft, you know, not content, didn't get that contract and then put his feet up. As we're seeing this year, this is a guy who's pushing for more and more and more. And I don't suspect he'll ever be content. You know, he wants, uh, forget about the Norris. There's another trophy I'm sure he'd like to get his hands on uh, as early as late next spring. So, you know, he keeps playing like this. He's going to give his team uh, a heck of a shot. That's for sure. Mike McIntyre with us from the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, um, you know, listen, I could sit here and talk for two hours about Morrissey and the game he played last night. Um, but there were another a number of other things going into last night's game that have sort of been brushed by the wayside because of that performance and what right. happened in the third period. Um, but listen, we saw some of the most bizarre lines we've ever seen from Rick Bonus going into the game last night. I think there was certainly some message message sending to players, yeah. and maybe none more. The Nikolai Ehlers, number 27, who, when you look at what happened in the game last night, um, you know, was not really a central figure when it came to that comeback. I mean, you know, you had Kyle Connor, or sorry, well, Connor had a couple of assists. Um, Nikolai Ehlers did have the one assist. He did play 1742 and got on the ice a little bit more. Um, you know, was down after, you know, taking a stick to, to whatever his ankle for a bit and missed a couple shifts, came back. But I'm interested in your perspective on Ehlers, the way he's played and reacted over the last little bit, and um, how much more the Winnipeg Jets can get out of him, because it was pretty clear from my perspective that Rick Bonus thinks it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, the points have been there by and large. You know, Nikolai Ehlers is producing points, but I think his play at times has left Rick Bonus wanting more, quite frankly. And Look, this is not to slag on Nikolai Ehlers. This is a guy who missed 36 games. He missed he missed half the year with a serious injury that's not easy to come back from, one that impacts you know the very heart of what he's good at, which is his speed, his acceleration, that that explosive uh, um you know first spec that Nikolai Ehlers would have just come back and been the Nikolai Ehlers of old, right? So uh, even Ehlers himself last week on the road trip, he talked to Jeff Hamilton and, and admitted that he feels like there's still a lot more he needs to kind of get to. But I think it's going to take some time. 
there was message sending for sure. And I think part of the message, Haas, was, you know, Rick Bonus talked about his difference makers. I think he'd seen enough of all his skilled guys playing with each other and, you know, trying to make the highlight reels. So he basically put a worker bee or two with every skilled player. Um, it's something you see coaches occasionally do. I, I, look, I don't think these lines are here to stay. I don't think this is what the Jets are going to roll out. You know, Nikolai Ehlers is not a fourth line left winger with Stenland and Gagne for the rest of the season. Um, but I think it had the desired effect. I thought, for example, Haas, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's been really quiet the last few games, I really like that line with Barron and Manalainen. In fact, I thought that was the Jets' best line last night. Like, you talk about a line that was working their tails off. It was those three. And my goodness, if Morgan Barron had a little more finish around the net, like, he'd be an absolute stud of a player because he always seems to do the right thing, be in the right place. Um, so I, I like what the lines did. I, I don't think it's a, a long-term thing, but I think the message was sent and I think the message was received. There's no doubt about that, um, you know, by some more than others. Um, and listen, it was just such a shock to see Ehlers <laughs> with Gagne and our guy Stenny on that uh, on that fourth line. Now, as expected, things did sort of even out. And, you know, he ended up playing just about 18 minutes um, you know, near the top of the forward group. Mark Shifley, though, um, you know, one of those guys, unequivocally a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets, um, got 30 and 31 last night into an empty net and played 24-09. Now, I don't think he was um, outside of any criticism over the last few games. I mean, I think he was front and center, frankly, when Rick Bonus yes. was talking about what he was talking about. Um but he started on what you would assume was the first line, along with who was it, Connor and Carson Kuhlman, which was another one of those um, you know interesting, interesting decisions. Um, but Shifley had a strong game, and it was clear that Rick Bonus was feeling that. I mean, he ended up with what twenty four minutes on the ice, which was probably I, I just off the top of my head would have to be close to a season high. Um, Shifley's response in last night's game, um, as well as what you heard from him afterwards, because as you mentioned, for Mark Shifley, that was a pretty animated, um, animated Shife last night speaking after the game. Yeah, he had the uh, the salty tongue out by his standards with the double fricks. You know, it's interesting, Hassan. <laughs> we 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 should know we talk about Nikolai Ehlers. By the third period, Rick Bonus had moved Ehlers up to that line in Kuhlman's place, and in fact they produce the tying goal. That's what happens when you're down two nothing and you haven't scored in a week. For sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think at that point, Rick bonus realized, okay, I've sent the message, but now let's get some added skill out there with these guys. And uh, look, they forced a, a turnover and a pretty egregious Justin Falk turnover that, you know, those three guys, Shifley, Ehlers, Connor made a highly skilled play with very limited time and space that, you know, hide the game. And then Morrissey would put them up ahead for good 21 seconds later. It's interesting, Huss, that line of, of Ehlers, Shifley, Connor, go all the way back to training camp. That was the, that was the top line coming into the season. And it lasted 
about a game and a half before Nikola Ehlers got hurt. And then when Ehlers finally came back a couple of weeks ago, the Jets liked what, you know, other lines were doing. And they didn't go back to that right away because they had Dubois and Connor. Um, and, you know, they wanted to keep those two together. So Ehlers didn't go back with Shifley and, and, and Connor. But last night they did, and they produced a big goal. I still think that line has the potential to be one of the best in the National Hockey League. And I'll be curious, you know, coming back out of the break here, if Rick Bonus resumes the, the next 30 games here with that line intact. And, I, I, you know, he probably liked what he saw in that third period. So maybe he does. But, um, yeah, Mark Shifley, you know, 31 goals. He's on pace for close to 50 here. He smashes his previous high. And, you know, I think he answered the bell, as he said, after the, the game last night. Uh, I think Ken, Kenny Weeb asked him, you know, how do you think your your difference makers were tonight? And he said, well, you kind of saw what happened. I think I think we responded pretty well. Uh, so now the key is to to not quickly revert back to what we saw previous couple games and, and bottle that up. And, you know, I think Mark Shifley, he's as driven as anyone on this team to have success. He knows what the other side feels like, and it's not a whole lot of fun. And, you know, I think the way he explained it in terms of some of this sloppy, lethargic play recently, I, I accept his explanation. He said, we got proud guys in the room and, you know, there's probably times when we try to do too much. And, and I think that's what we saw. It wasn't that they didn't care or that they were just mailing it in. I think, if anything, it's that they got away from what, what works and fell into some of those old habits because, because they're actually trying too hard at times. So the last night with the worker bees on those lines, I think it kind of reset everything a, a bit, reminded everybody about the style of play they need to have. The Blues were probably a good opponent for that because St. Louis kind of plays that grinding style. And so I think in a lot of ways, it was a, a good reset for the Jets, uh, who I suspect are saying good riddance to the Eastern Conference, uh, who they, they've struggled a bit against the East. Um, the West does seem to bring out the best. Well, and certainly the Central Division, and uh, yeah. that divisional record got even better last night. You know, just one more thing on the, uh, just looking at the, the game sheet from last night. And this goes back to Josh Morrissey. I mean, just an all-time game log from last night. Two goals plus three, seven shots on net, three block shots, three hits, 27-27 on the ice, Mike. Um, there's no doubt who the number one star of that one was last night. The only person disappointed right now by that performance is his agent, who's probably thinking, why why can't my con my client be up for a new contract? Because you're right, Huss. If let's say Josh Morrissey was a pending UFA, I, I suspect any discussions with management would just be putting that third period on loop on video. And uh, as the agent puts his feet up on the table and probably uh, puffs on a dart uh, while he's enjoying the view. Um, Mike, uh, one thing that has really been dry lately is the power play. Um, yeah. And I think maybe, listen, for a lot of reasons, I think this break comes at a great time. And, you know, if they'd lost again, it would have been, uh, you know, 
listen, we probably saying, hey, they really need a break, and I think they do anyways. Yes. Um, but how much do you think they'll be working on that when they come back? Or is it just a matter of, listen, you know, they had a lot of success on it earlier in the season. This is just one of those dry spells you go through at some point over 82. Yeah, here's my take on the power play, Huss. The Jets played 16 games in December, and I think they've just played another 15 in January. Like, they've had almost zero practice. And, yeah, they've had some morning skates, but even those, they're managing rest. Like, there have been very, very few. I'm telling you, you could count on one hand and still have some fingers left over. How many times the Jets have had practices where they've been able to work on this? And one of the things we know about special teams is it's a constant ebb and flow, right? Teams do so much pre-scout nowadays. They watch so much video. When the Jets were having success on the power play, you know that every other team, they're studying film. Okay, what are the Jets doing? What's working? And that's where you have to make adjustments at times. And it's a lot harder to make adjustments, I think, just verbalizing or saying, you know, okay, this is what we expect our opponent to try and do. Like you need to actually put that what's on paper kind of onto ice and work at it. The Jets have had no time to work on it. I think it's probably inevitable that the power play was going to slip up. And even to a degree, maybe the penalty kill too, because other teams make adjustments. And to be frank, the Jets haven't really had the time to work on their own adjustments to the adjustments. So, you know, I expect when they come back, the schedule does lighten up a bit. I think the Jets now at 52 games, I believe that's tied for the most in the NHL. So they will have as light a schedule as any other team now the rest of the way because every other team out there has one, two, three. I think there's even four games in hand some teams have. They've only played 48 the Jets will have some practice time. And I think the other thing that we don't talk about, Huss, is all of this has happened in the same month that they got all these stars back. They got Ehlers back. They got Wheeler. They got Perfetti. They got Schmidt. All those guys play on the power play. There's been very little time to actually practice with those guys. And I think that that will come in handy for sure. I just think there's too much skill, too much talent for this power play to be a long-term issue. And in many ways, like you say, the break has come at the right time. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, So the team gets into the break, one point back at Dallas. One of the things that I, I mean, I looked at this and I had to look again. St. Louis is 16 points back. Of the Winnipeg Jets right now. And I mean, that was an absolute dagger. I said, you know, earlier to Scott Cullen, if you're Doug Armstrong, you think that maybe there's still some hope. I think that third period last night pretty much turned out the lights for the St. Louis Blues, which will make them very interesting uh, when it comes into the uh, comes into the deadline. Last one for you, Mike, though, before we go. Um, we saw the Bo Horvat get dealt yesterday to the uh, to the New York Islanders, which is a very interesting trade on a number of levels. Um, considering what the return was for Horvat going to New York, I mean, do you take anything from that as to what the market is? And, um, you know, is the latest on Kevin Dayoff and uh, targets and level of willingness to be aggressive when we get to that date in early March? 
I don't think his level of being aggressive has changed one bit, even as his team lost three in a row. And I think, look, the West is still as winnable as ever, right? And so, if again, I, I think if you're the Jets, you have to do everything possible to go for it. I think the, you know, the return for Horvat was kind of what we expected. There was talk of, you know, a, an established player, a young prospect, and a first rounder, uh, and that's what. The Islanders got. I'm a little surprised that the Islanders making the play for Horvat. They better sign him long term, uh, because I'll say this: if you're if you're Lou Lamorello, and you just gave that up, your team's not even in a playoff spot today. And if if Bo Horvat just turns out to be a rental, and you don't even make the playoffs, like that's a fireable offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, a little interesting that that the Canucks jumped when they did. That they didn't try and maybe create more of a bidding war as we get closer to the deadline. I guess though, if you know Vancouver was happy with what the Islanders were offering and they felt no need to drag this out any longer. I also think what plays into it, Huss, if you're the Canucks, the sooner you get worse, the better, which, which also doesn't explain why they then brought Rick Tockett in when they did, as opposed to just an interim coach to kind of ride out the season. Vancouver is the king of mixed messages. That's for sure. I really don't know what they're doing over there, uh, but it would be in their best interest to have the bottom completely fall out the rest of the season and get into a position for the best possible draft pick. Um, yeah, if you're the Jets, I mean, I, I just think, you know, we're probably not talking about a big swing till we get very close to the deadline. And part of that is going to be cap-related, Huss. With every passing day, the Jets clear more and more space that they're banking um, but I do still expect a, a, a mighty cut at the plate by Kevin Shoveldayoff as we get closer to March 3rd here. Mike, enjoy a few days away from the rink. Thanks so much for doing this. You bet, Huss. Enjoy the week. You Take got care. it. You got it. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. All right. Um, we're going to get to a little bit of football uh, right now. But again, if you've got thoughts on that deadline, Morrissey's performance last night, next captain of the Jets, Keep it coming in the chat and make sure you hit that thumbs up, folks. And if you're new or haven't before, make sure you hit that red subscribe button on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Um, hey, just before we get to uh, the NFL and the weekend down in Kansas City, um, got to thank our friends at Princess Auto and a big congratulations to the Queen, Jen Jones, back on top, heading to the Scotties. Of course, Jen Jones, proud member of Team Princess Auto. And Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, if you're thinking water in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba... You've been thinking Culligan, family-owned for over 65 years, is the experts for all water products and services, including softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 204-694-5180. Or check out everything they can do for you and your family online at drinkculligan.com. And I will say I went down to KC on the weekend and the most popular thing I brought for my great host was the Canadian Club. Uh, I figured 
we got to be from the best, right? If they're going to house us and get us to the game. Um, we did exactly that. Of course, Canadian Club is Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And uh, I know it doesn't seem that way, but we're just a few months away from having CC and Gingers and Canadian Club at IG Field as the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Pick up Canadian Club today at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right. Listen, it was so much fun to talk Jets for the first hour, hour and a half of the program, but you knew I'd be getting to the Chiefs after the weekend I had down in KC. What a game, what an atmosphere. And um, luckily for me, I was trained in games like that. It reminded me of the West Final against the Riders a couple years ago with how damn cold it was, Uh, but we stuck it out. And, uh, man, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs did as well. Let's get down to KC and bring in our guy Benny Heist to – Talk a little bit about the Super Bowl matchup and the big win on Sunday. Heist, what's up, buddy? How are you? What's happening, Hustler? Congrats to your Kansas City Chiefs on uh, another job well done. Uh, continuing to to find ways where even when expectations are sky high, the, the Kansas City fan base will try and find some way where the world has sort of pinned themselves against them and have to fight and claw their way back. But what a performance. What a game. Uh, and, and now they're back to the Super Bowl yet again. Well, the funniest thing about the whole thing was um, at times last week, they were underdogs in the game. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there was huge concern about Patrick Mahomes playing on one leg, how effective he would be able to do uh, be. And then you had an opponent in the Cincinnati Bengals that, quite frankly, had owned them over the last couple of years. I mean, a lot of close games, but they always found a way to get it done. But man, the amount of trash talking that came out of Cincinnati, I mean, it was it was stunning. And it was quite obvious after the game that all of that smack talk was loud and clearly heard within that Chiefs dressing room, which certainly was heard loudly among the fan base as uh, you would take it to it. I mean, what did you make of everything going into that game? And the level of confidence, many would say overconfidence that a team that had won one AFC championship game in the last however many years had going into a team that had been a juggernaut and has been the standard in the NFL for the last five years. So here's what I'll say about it, because I I think my opinion on this is very much in the minority here. I I didn't have a problem with it. I, I thought it was fun. Like you have a Bengals team that is fully immersing themselves in the whole trash talk atmosphere. Like, Either they thrive off of it or it builds them up even more. Like, you know how athletes can be. Like, Michael Jordan was famous for making stuff up that his opponents may have said to try and find some way to fuel the fire. And maybe in the case of the Cincinnati Bengals, all the amount of trash talk was working for them. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it because they've done it in the past. They continue to do so. I, I just don't think they took into consideration how that would impact the other side and whether that was because they were three and O against Mahomes and the chiefs going into that game or for whatever reason, they just didn't consider it. So I, I, I'm not mad at Joe Burrow for other people calling it Burrowhead stadium. Like that's not on him. He didn't go and start to, you know, spread everything and, and start to I feel bad for Burrow, Ben. I mean, why is it always the Eli Apples of the world, the borderline players that have the biggest mouths, and then puts it all onto the shoulder of a guy like Burrow that has just been phenomenal throughout his entire career to go and back up all of their smack? 
Yeah, I listen, it, it, at some point you're the quarterback. So regardless of what the rest of your team says, you know, you're the one that ultimately has the target on you anyway. So I again, I didn't have an issue with it. I, I think it helped create a little bit more back and forth. Oh, Clearly the Chiefs great for the game. It. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have the Cincinnati mayor that, that Travis Kelsey called out in front of millions of millions <laughs> of people on the national broadcast. He all of a sudden turned into a, a combination of Ric Flair and the rock and his post-game interviews and, and on the podium to accept the Lamar Hunt trophy. Like that's what makes this fun. It, it's one thing. It's, it's, it's nice. It's a kumbaya world that we live in where, you know, everybody respects their opponent and, um, you know, they just say, well, you know, hats off to them. They played a great game. Man, Hustler, that's boring. Like, it's what I think media and fans tend to kind of talk out of both sides of their mouth, right? Like, they want to have all the trash talk opportunities and they want athletes to speak their mind. But if it's about their team, oh, they better watch out. They, they, they know what's coming for them. So as somebody who was in Kansas City watching all of this unfold, I loved it, and it made for a more it it made the theater more compelling of that game, and the drama intensified. And as a sports fan, what more could you ask for? Well, it certainly it, it certainly added more fuel to the fire of what has turned into an incredible rivalry, and now it is a rivalry because the Chiefs finally got one over on them right. at the most important time. Um, because I think, and I can speak for a lot of Chiefs fans, that team made was nervous more than anyone else because of. I mean, listen, I got to say about Joe Burrow. I mean, he is he is such a special player. I mean, going into double hover, coverage to chase on the fourth down, the third and 18 in the fourth quarter. I mean, you look at the line and, listen, he threw a couple picks, um, was the losing quarterback on the night, but it, it's a credit to the Chiefs' defense for how well they played. And we'll get to Mahomes in a second, but... I mean, my takeaway from being in that stadium right from the first quarter when Joe Burrow, I think, had as many completions as he was sacked was that Frank Clark and especially Chris Jones were going to take over that game. And without their performances, uh, I don't think we're talking about the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl. In fact, I know we aren't. Yeah, the defense stepped up. That wasn't a particularly good defense all throughout the course of the year. They were you know, 21st in opponent completion percentage. They were 19th in yards per rush. Um, you know, opponents passed on them the, the 30th most amount of times in the NFL per game. Um, this was a sort of average defense that has a few special players on it. But more often than not, over the course of this year, they, they had a very difficult time putting teams away. Uh, and it was evidenced by looking at their against the spread record this year. The Chiefs were among the worst teams in the NFL in covering the spread. They were 7-11-1 this year, covering just under 39% of the time. There's a handful of teams that were worse than them, like Tampa Bay was atrocious, the Bears, Rams, Colts, New England, uh, the Saints, Denver, Minnesota. They were all kind of in that same realm. So for a team like Kansas City, where you expect dominance, you didn't get it often because if one side of the team was struggling, then the other side was playing just well enough to win. In this particular case, you needed to have that type of performance from the defense because the one weakness coming into that game from Cincinnati's perspective was their offensive line. And granted, last week against a very good Buffalo team, a team that I picked to, to win the Super Bowl this year, um, they Buffalo could not get to Joe Burrow with three of their top five offensive linemen out or severely hurt. 
and they were still dealing with injuries to that line, but the Chiefs maximized those opportunities. They generated a pass rush. They forced Burrow to make some bad throws. They forced him uh, on, on a couple pass routes that he should have just not have made. Um, so I, I give him a ton of credit. I, I think the real challenge now becomes how do you do it against Philadelphia, who's elite, best in the NFL when it comes to the protection of Jalen Hurts, also having to deal with the mobile quarterback, which has also hurt Kansas City in the past. They brought up their game against one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but now it's about being able to not fa- to face off against the other MVP candidate of the league, but also being able to generate that same type of pressure, which very few teams were able to do against Philadelphia this year. No, it is a great, great point. Benny Heiss is with us uh, breaking down the conference championship games on the weekend. Before we talk about Philly and the Super Bowl matchup, um, we have to talk Mahomes. I mean, you've worked in KC for, I believe, all or at least the majority of the Mahomes era. Um, We've seen, I mean, his ascendance to being a superstar. Um, I remember how disappointed I was five years ago leaving that AFC championship game against the Patriots when he did everything he could to pull his team back into the game and a couple, you know, mistakes, the D Ford infamous offside penalty and not getting the ball in OT. And, you know, there we were, uh, you know, moving on to next season. Um, There are so many highlights and so many incredible games that he's put in what would be a Hall of Fame career first ballot right now if he never played another game in the league, without a doubt. Um, But the one on Sunday was special because I think of the challenge of the Bengals, what had happened the year before, the fact that he was playing on one leg. And for crying out loud, Ben, by the second half of the game, Juju's out. Hardman's out. Yep. Kadarius Tony's out. His second receiver had four receptions career and 24 tackles. They're basically bringing guys from the special teams unit out to play meaningful snaps with their season on the line. Um, the more I think about it, this might be the masterpiece of Patrick Mahomes' career because of everything that had gone on. Where do you fall on that? Hard to disagree. And this is also coming from somebody who thought that that Jalen Hurts had a very compelling argument for the MVP of the league. Yeah, he, he missed a few games towards the end of the season, and Mahomes' overall numbers certainly trumped his. But I, I think there's a very compelling case for, for both of them. Um, and you, especially you saw what happened to the Eagles when Hurts was not available in the moment he came back. Uh, that offense transformed themselves. With Mahomes... It was a slightly different story. I think the narrative going in of of losing Tyreek Hill um, and that the offense would basically take a step back to eventually go forward again felt reasonable. Like, it wasn't a knock on Mahomes. It was you're losing one of the best wide receivers in the NFL who also showcased what he was able to do in Miami this year that it just felt natural that as good as Mahomes is, it's still all different aspects of the game that have to come together. And he, he... basically pushed it aside and said, the hell with that. I'm going to continue to put up massive numbers and continue to be the, the the core reason why this offense continues to churn at an incredibly efficient level. And he did it. You know, the, uh, uh, the line, uh, it, it's wild. I saw one book, uh, I believe it was Circa, open as Chiefs minus two and a half. Minus two and a half. And, and then they took a beating. Yeah, four hours later, it was Eagles minus two and a half. I'm looking yeah. at our partners here at Kuba that have the Eagles as one point favorites right now. Um, 
what have you seen? I mean, I know you do a great work kind of following the industry. I mean, what, what, what's, what, what's the window we've seen for the line? Where is it settled? And um, do you think it makes sense right now? It's anywhere between two and one and a half towards the Eagles right now, kind of depending on, on where you look right now. Consensus, it's probably gone from two down to one and a half. And it's kind of looking at all the, the at least the American sports books. Um, you mentioned that it's down to one. Um, that's kind of where a few of the offshore markets are as well. And at that point, like you can either take the one or you can go ahead and just go money line here. But um, the fact that it's starting to move slowly again in the Chiefs' direction, I'm, I'm not surprised by that. I think about what we saw last week where there was immediate movement towards the other side of Kansas City because uh, Sharps felt like there was a considerable edge where the number was originally opened. And as more information came out, you saw that Mahomes was going to be healthy, that Kelsey was going to be able to play. The numbers eventually trickled back over to Kansas City, where it was from the original number. So, like, do I think it's going to get to three on either side? Probably not. So I think if you're a better, basically you're, you're trying to wait it out, see if you can get, you know, a two and a half or so. Uh, just give yourself the most room possible. If you believe you're just going to go ahead and take a side, Right now, it's probably an ideal time. Like I said uh, during uh, an appearance on the CBS affiliate here in Kansas City, that if you like the Chiefs as an underdog, like now's probably the time to take them because I fully expect over the course of the next two weeks that it'll slowly start to creep back closer towards the Kansas City side. But again, knowing what we know, the immediate move was to Philadelphia, and now we're starting to see a little bit back towards the middle. So again, if you like the Chiefs as an underdog, I think now is probably an ideal time to jump on that money line number. And then maybe you're trying to find yourself a, a better number a little bit later on on the Eagles side. You can do that as well. You know, just going back to last Sunday, um, you know, you mentioned how much money obviously came in on the Bengals right away. Um, did uh, Was it a great day for the books because of the Chiefs winning? Or was it by the time we got to game time, was there pretty much uh, a, a lot on both sides? There, there was a lot on both sides just because you had the initial movement, a lot of money taken in on the Bengals side. Remember that um, at one point, some of that money came in on Bengals plus three, which ended up pushing in that game. Um, so, so books ended up doing fine. Um, I know that there were a lot of teasers involving the 49ers, which Gosh. was certainly you know helpful for them. And it was, and it was hard to argue with that. You, know? you move a, a 49ers team who had, hadn't lost, what, since week seven? Um, make them an eight and a half point underdog uh, against an Eagles team that they matched up pretty well against. I, I, I get it. It, it. Far, far more often than not, these sports books, especially when there's only one or two games, they're going to get relatively even action. It just might take a while to get there. Um, but that's what happened here. I, I, I think overall they ended up doing just fine. Hey, Benny, before we go, um, there's an interesting prop up with the book on where, Tom Brady's going to take his first snap next year. Um, it's funny. Tampa's still the lead. I think he is gone from Tampa. I think so, um, too. You've got Raiders, Dolphins, 49ers, very interesting right now because of this Brock Purdy injury. He's out six months right now. What that do, does that? If you had to throw a nickel on a team for Tom Brady next year, um, uh, who's getting your scratch? I mean, the Raiders make a ton of sense, except for the fact that they just seem so far away defensively. Like offensively, you know, you, you can feel like Brady can step in, have McDaniels as a connection, and, and everything would operate fairly smooth. But again, he'd be also be going to 
a very challenging division, whether you believe the, the Broncos are going to get things figured out with whatever comes their way. They, they played better the last couple of games once Nathaniel Hackett was gone. Uh, Chargers now leaving Joe Lombardi behind and bringing in Helen Moore from the Cowboys, who I, I, I think is a great hire for them. Like you're, you're not going to see a conservative um, Justin Herbert in the second half anymore, which just killed the Chargers all throughout the course of the year. Um, that that's probably the connection that makes the most amount of sense. Miami just, I mean, the, the spite, it might be a spite signing. Like, I don't know if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm where, where Larry David opened up the, the spite coffee shop next to Mocha Joe's just because he didn't like Mocha Joe and he had the ability to do it. Maybe Brady decides to do that. And so we can play new England twice a year and try to beat him. But it, at this point, they, I feel like that relationship is kind of severed. I, I just don't see that happening. So I think it's Raiders, uh, just purely based on the connection, if, if they can shore up their defense. Um, but, yeah, I don't think he's coming back to Tampa. Miami, maybe. Everything else, I'd probably stay away. Remember, he can make a ton of money going and taking over that number one gig in the Fox booth. So he doesn't need to, but he's Tom Brady, and he's just going to be weird and kind of yeah, mysterious I, anyway. I don't think he wants to go out the way that uh, this season ended. So um, well, Just remember, it could be worse. Yeah, <laughs> It could be, it and I'll tell you work. what, setting up shop in the AFC West and having to play Mahomes twice a year, Herbert twice a year, and Russell Wilson, although I still think that the right. Broncos have a long ways to go, probably not too good. And just one quick thing you mentioned on Miami. I heard today, and I didn't, I was not aware of this until now, Tua has been in the concussion protocol for five weeks, and he's still there right now, Ben. Um Man, after hearing that, I mean, we knew the ups and downs of this season, how great he played, but some of the hits and the, the concussions that he had, I, I really do wonder what's left of, of his career. I mean, he's got a lot of life to live ahead of him, and um, that was scary. I mean, if you're on in his inner circle and in his family, I mean, you're probably really concerned about what would happen if he took another hellacious hit. Yeah, I and I think there's too many examples of – players, especially at that position that stuck around for a little bit too long. Um, like with, with Tua, you, you, the accomplishments are just like, you saw what he was able to do at his max talent, right? Which was be play basically at an MVP level for a considerable amount of time when he had the playmakers around him in a good offensive line, he was a very serviceable to very good quarterback. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I kind of look at it from, just at some point enough is enough. And ultimately I've been an advocate of this and I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I think it's important. Football and football players need to at least get back to an honest relationship where the players know exactly all the, the possible ramifications of playing that sport can be everything from the, the sub concussive trauma to the actual impact of concussions, to wh- whatever the case may be, that's those studies and that information needs to be made public to NFL players. And once they understand the ramifications of, of what they're signing themselves up for, because for a long time, the NFL basically hid that away. And, and I just don't think you're at that point now, especially with what we've seen on the field this year as a result of concussions and as a result of those hits, where NFL players can be putting their livelihoods at risk and signing the dotted line without knowing what they're getting themselves into. If they decide the risk is worth the reward, 
then so be it. But you want them to go in with all the information as opposed to what the NFL is telling them. And I, I just don't think that's been a, a healthy relationship for a long time. So if, if Tua knows what he's doing and understands everything that could come with it with another concussion, with more head injuries, then then he should play. But I, I just want him to know everything going in as opposed to taking some sort of calculated chance where he may not. No, no, it is a a great and very salient point. Benny Heist, thank you very much for doing this. Enjoy Super Bowl week. I imagine uh, KC's probably everyone that was at the game is probably finally warmed up now, and uh, that, yeah. now now we can get ready for uh, what's going to be a real fun ten days or so heading into a hell of a matchup. That uh, I don't, I I could see this going off as a pick'em. To be honest with you, I think Kansas City's going to get a little bit more love. Once people see the practices and hear from Mahomes, and I guess we'll see what happens. Listen, if Tony and Juju and Hardman are all out, we probably don't get to that point, but uh, right. never bet against Patrick Mahomes. You have a great one, my man. Thanks for doing this. Always good to see you, Hustler. Be good. Good stuff. There's Ben Heisler. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Benny Heis. Um, all right, we're going to actually get to those cool bet lines in just a second. A late night in the National Hockey League. But a big shout out to the Nick and Nicky DQ. I did see that Nick is enjoying his uh, annual taco tour down in Mexico. But don't worry, the Nick and Nicky DQs are still open with those delicious stack burgers, fries, chicken fingers, and the best ice cream treats around, including DQ ice cream cake and DQ blizzard cakes, which you can order online if you'd like to get something customized at dq manitoba on instagram otherwise pop into any of the four nick and nicky dqs dq neverville dq northgate polo park and dq st anne's and tell them the boys at winnipeg sports talk sent you and as i mentioned i did bring some canadian club for our hosts on the weekend in kc the other thing that i brought which was uh perfect and very popular in the parking lot at arrowhead stadium with some of Winnipeg's finest local beer, 1919, from our friends at Little Brown Jug. I went with the standard, the 1919, but I can tell you, if you want to try some of their new beers, pick up the new Good Times Variety Pack with four new kinds of your favorite Winnipeg beer, Little Brown Jug. Pick up Little Brown Jug and the Good Times Variety Pack at LBJ, Manitoba Liquor Marts, or anywhere that sells great beer. And, of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Don't forget, March 29th, save the date, our second WST Sports Trivia Night at Little Brown Jug. First one was a huge hit. Looking forward to doing it again with many of you. All right, we're going to get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Uh, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, we were all over the Jets for the first half hour or to start the show, obviously, after last night's game. I haven't had your thoughts on the uh, on the weekend from the NFL. I'm sure you would have talked about it a little bit yesterday. But uh, before we get to the Super Bowl matchup and the lines, what uh, what did you think? Yeah, well, that first game was a total dud. Um I think I can't believe, you know, after they announced Brock Purdy as a torn UCL, that they put him back into quarterback knowing he couldn't throw. Would have loved to see seen Christian McCaffrey line up in Wildcat, have him throw the ball. I think anything would have been better. They, I think he they did at just, one point. Yeah, they only did it. I thought they were going to do more, like, flea flickers and screwing around back there, but they really didn't until the game was well out of hand. I mean, they were in a tough situation. I do wonder if they go to have an emergency third quarterback for situation we can't have that where you just run into a quarterback because they both get injured it's kind of kind of embarrassing 
for the league in your uh, NFC Championship game. Uh, the Eagles are an interesting team as they've bulldozed through everyone, and I'm not sure if they've really played anyone that great, so we'll have to see how they match up against KC for the Super Bowl. And that that KC, I said this yesterday, the KC-Cincy uh, game uh, was was an epic one. Uh, could have been even more epic if you know we got to overtime, which we should have, but unfortunately we had the uh, out-of-bounds roughing the passer at the end to push them ahead for in field goal range, but... I mean, this Burrow-Mahomes Burrow rivalry, uh, we could be seeing this every year. And so, it was, I mean, it was an awesome game. Uh, the TV ratings, highest rated show since last year's Super Bowl. I was like around 55 million watched it. So, um, it was it was a great, I mean, the second game was awesome. The first game was, uh, was pretty blah. I, I got to tell you. So, that last play went off at about 20 seconds or so. Maybe 18 seconds. I can't remember. Chiefs had no timeouts. And, you know, I said to, to Dom, who I'm sitting with, that, you know, they basically need 20 yards to get into field goal range for Butker. And, you know, and again, they're playing with, you know, Kelsey, MVS, and then, you know, some whoever was available to go into the game, basically. I mentioned to you that, you know, one of their guys had four catches and 24 tackles. I mean, basically, legitimately a special teams player. And, you know, when Mahomes went out and ran, first of all, we weren't even sure. We hadn't really seen much running from him at all like we normally do. And with the game on the line, he sprinted out there, got, what was it, five or six yards, but got out of bounds. And then... There was audible gasps in the crowd when he got thrown in. Now, part of that will be, hey, you can't do that to our quarterback. Obviously, it was a uh, heavily pro-Chiefs crowd. But I think everyone knew right at that second, oh, my God, that is 15 yards, and that is going to be pretty much exactly where they needed to get into range for Harrison Butker. And I know you and Walter and a lot of people were saying, damn, we got robbed of overtime. I can tell you, no one in that stadium wanted overtime. It was so damn cold. I don't think the temperature was as cold as the West Final against the Riders a couple years ago here in Winnipeg in that December game. But I can tell you, when you added in the wind <clears throat> that was in your face the entire, entire game, um, it was uh, it was a struggle. I mean, and, and it had to have been on all the players as well. So... Um, that'll be one that I'll never forget. And uh, they're going back to the Super Bowl, folks. Right now, let's get to the cool bet lines. The Chiefs, and this is interesting. So this, you know, as Ben said, most of the U.S. books are in and around two, maybe one and a half. Cool bet has the Eagles as one-point favorites right now. Chiefs plus one, minus one on either side. And the money line for the Super Bowl, minus 102 for the Chiefs. So just in south of even money. And the Eagles at minus 115. Total for the game, 49.5. We'll kind of follow that on how that moves over the course of the next week. And very soon, right now, actually, they already have a ton of props already. I mean, clicking on, we've got kicking props. Uh, we've got the rush yards props already. So a lot of these props actually are out. I thought it might take a little while till we got a little closer to, uh, to the game. Um, let's look at Benny's. Jarek McKinnon, uh, McKinnon, 23 and a half rush yards. 
I like what he, I like what Benny's selling there on the Jarek McKinnon. I think he's always the guy that comes up in the biggest games. And Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco, 52 and a half. Don't be surprised if we see a lot more Jarek McKinnon, partly because of the way he pass blocks, as Ben very accurately said. You can check out everything right now at the uh, at CoolBet. Um, and the Super Bowl MVP odds right now, Hurts plus 125, Mahomes plus 145, and um, 45 to 1 for Jarek McKinnon. So, uh, man, if he got on to early at like an 80 to 1, that's a very, very good number. Um, needless to say, we'll have plenty of time talking Super Bowl over the course of the next 10 days or so. Um, t- but tonight in the National Hockey League, uh, three games tonight. Kings at Hurricanes. Uh, the Canes, what a season they're having. Minus 197. Kings plus 166. Uh, the Caps minus 202. Columbus plus 170. And the Sens are minus 190. Habs plus 160. Sens routed the Habs on Saturday night 5 nothing. I'm actually going to hit the Sens puck line. I think that Ottawa is going to do everything they can to finish strong and I'm sure the Montreal Canadiens just can't wait to get away from the rink and get to somewhere warm. Any thoughts on uh, favored teams? We've seen a lot of upsets by bad teams, Remo, over the last couple, last kind of week of the NHL. This final game before going into the break, you think this is a good spot to maybe hit some underdogs? How about the Maple Leafs at home against Boston, who's lost a couple in a row? I know we were all up in arms here, but the Jets on a losing streak. That's tomorrow. But yeah. oh, that's is that that's Feb one. All right, sorry, I can't yeah. read. Two games I'll, tomorrow: Carolina this, and Buffalo, and uh, Buffalo and Leafs. Yeah, sorry, I'll say this: uh, Montreal's wearing their baby blues, and uh, everyone in Montreal's saying how they haven't won yet in those jerseys. So if you're looking at Ottawa, uh, that's one for you. You like the Kings, and I'm always wary of road teams has before a break. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. So maybe the home. I don't I haven't really I haven't really looked at but uh if you want to go with the uh, I would still go Carolina. If Columbus at home I against Washington. Columbus, I thought Columbus maybe. Like the Caps seem like a team that mm-hmm. might take a night off and maybe check yeah. out early. You know, hey, you know, you're off work at Friday heading into a summer long weekend and instead of leaving at five, you uh, kind of squeeze out the door at three fifteen. That reminds me, the Caps seem to be that to be that team. So I don't know. I'm not going to give the. I am going with the Ottawa puck line tonight. That is going to be the cool bet play of the day. You can follow those picks. Uh, make sure you follow Cool Bet on your socials at Cool Bet Canada. And hey, if you haven't played a Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit on your uh, first deposit or 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks if you haven't played there before. Um, man, this is going to be a real interesting 11 days, Reem. Uh, no Jets to talk about, so to speak, although I think many of our conversations are going to revolve around, of course, the upcoming trade deadline, and there should be some interesting news, I'd imagine, from some of the insiders down in and around the All-Star game. Um and we will have a few dark days on the weekend. Um, and then some other teams will be getting back at it earlier than teams like the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, this is the point. And uh, as I said, that game, Josh Morrissey last night, I think saved us all from uh, a miserable week and a half just thinking about what had happened with the Winnipeg Jets as opposed to leaving everybody on a high note 
with uh, a memorable performance in a game that we'll remember as the Morrissey game. Yeah, we didn't want to go into the break uh, talking about a four-game losing streak and how they couldn't, you know, got shut out again. I mean, they had us during the game on Sportsnet. They had a counter under the score bug showing the last time the Jets scores, like time since Jets goal over, you know, over an hour or whatever it had been. It was, or over, sorry, a hundred minutes. My bad, a hundred minutes. I can't even do math. Um, just yeah, well, so degrading periods. And again, and you, when yeah. you really think about it, they had gone the equivalent of another five periods before scoring those two at the end of the Buffalo game to turn it from three, nothing into three, two and make it look a little bit better. Um, but anyways, I can't say enough about uh, what Morrissey did last night. He uh, he truly was the star of the show and put that team on his back. Before we go, uh, I know we were kind of focusing in on uh, the the game last night, Reem, but didn't get your thoughts on uh, this Horvat trade. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say, I think it's a lose for both teams. I don't know if Vancouver got enough. Um, you know, Pavilion, he's okay, and... Um, Atu Ratu, who I, I learned that's how it's pronounced. It's not pronounced yeah. uh, Ratty. Uh, it's Atu Ratu. So, I mean, he could be okay, and you get a first-round pick. Um, is that enough? I guess that's that's okay. But and for the Islanders, they're out of the playoffs, and they're giving up all this to trade for Horvat. But then, you know, we're pointing out in chat, well, what if in a month they're even further out, and then they trade Horvat for a better well, that, return than they got? Me, I think that's why they did it when they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think there's a bit of a method to lose madness. Yes, I think they're going to get him. I think they're going to engage his people, you know, early on coming out of the break. Hopefully they get on a bit of a run and win some games. And, you know, if they can come to a deal, he can't officially sign an eight-year deal until after the trade deadline. But if they can come to terms and agree on it and officially have it signed, I think they feel good about that, knowing that it's done. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, if they don't significantly improve their playoff pers- their playoff chances. I, I, I mean, the thought of trading what they did for Bo Horvat, missing the playoffs and losing him for nothing. I mean, that would be a fireable offense in most, uh, I mean, for most GMs. Yes. That w- I hope that happens actually. Uh, just another L for the Canucks. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. No, the L would be for Lou Lamorello. The oh. Canucks have made say, deal. If- They're good. Sorry, I thought you were going to say the L would be if Lou trades Horvat for more than the Canucks got. Oh, that would be hilarious too. I um, mean, if if they tr- go trade Horvat, get more than uh, you know a first round pick and prospect and a, and a player. So uh, we'll see. And maybe they flip uh, Beauvillier too uh, in a deal. We, you know, you did mention him on this show was last week. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, listen, Beauvillier is a guy. I think that. You know, the Winnipeg Jets would be interested in potentially getting into the mix, although, um, and he's not a guy that we've heard a lot of talk about before, um, but then there he was getting dealt. And I think I'm with Cullen. I think he's a guy that can play for them right now, and I think will be an attractive rental piece at the end of next year when teams won't have to commit to beyond. But the Winnipeg Jets have said they are looking for guys with terms. So, you know, it's maybe, uh, maybe Pierre Alvin. And uh, the gang out in um, out in Vancouver aren't quite done yet. Um, that is going to do it for us, yeah. gang. Though great Here, to be back. Yeah, two Sorry. more things. Two more things we've got to touch on. People are asking me in chat to touch on these. But before the game on Sportsnet, Anson Carter did the ice hockey analogy. Uh, someone tweeted me the video. Completely ripping, ripping off your bit. Yeah, I will look as long as more people acknowledge. 
the greatness of Nintendo ice hockey, I'm okay with that. I can't own comparing real hockey in 2022 or sorry, 2023 to Nintendo ice hockey. I can't own that. Also, but we can acknowledge that I do bring that up frequently. Tweeted out the graphic. I don't know if they, they saw it or not. They basically used the same thing that I did on the show. But they he called Kyle Connor a top skinny guy. To be fair, when I put my lines, I had Kyle Connor actually as a medium guy, but with skinny guy speed just because of his... He's bigger than you think. He's over over 6'1", and I kind of had six feet and above. I went by more by height when I when I did it. But yeah, Anson Carter did a nice little thing on that. And also, Nicole Jays, we almost forgot about this. When So uh, I was watching Kenny and Randy, I had to give the lamplighter. I said my lamplighter was Hellebuck going for the empty net goal. I oh, When he went for that shot, Huss, I like got chills being like, oh my God, are we going to see a goal here? I That was I was crazy. He, he had a shot at it if there was no one back there. Oh, he did too. I mean, he needed about an extra 10 feet of air because I yes. think the line was good. The line, the line was good. It got past center, but there was a guy back there. That listen, if if he had scored that goal, that would have been maybe the most legendary period of hockey for the Jetsons coming back from Atlanta. <laughs> when you consider about listen, I'm dead serious. When you think about how badly the team was struggling, the fans are booing, the sky is falling. Morrissey scores, put the teams on his back, let's F and go. They turn around, score the two, are up. And then Hellebuck scored a goal. It was it was perfect. Oh, for was sure, a, it would have been. There was a dump in right at him. He went and took the shot. Oh, I don't hear what he has to say about it, but that was maybe the best goalie goal attempt we've seen um, by a Jet goalie. I, I can't really remember any. Now my memory may not be great anymore, but I mean that that had a shot. That line the best was good. Goal attempt. I, I yeah, we have not had very many. Yes, um, over the course, and I mean. Mikhail Burnham never really got in. He um, he scored one. Was it for the Moose? I, th- I think he did score one for the Moose. Oh, really? Oh. That'd um, be crazy. I mean, but that's again, pretty rare, goalie goal. The, the, the goal. the goalie goal. That would have been a real cherry on top of the Sunday. But uh, the bottom line was what was most needed was two points, some good vibes around the team. And uh, it all started with 44 last night, who was the man. Um Oh, Matty Beneers out of the All Star game, Remo, yeah. which means Chandler Stevenson is going. Oh yeah, um, I was gonna. Yeah, I put that. Why in. exactly did they? I mean, if they're going by these rules, why in? Like, so, why not grab Eberly or someone? Yeah, Matty Beneers. He got uh, hit by Tyler Myers. The puck was nowhere near him, and Tyler Myers, who's you know we know how tall he is, going up to tiny rookie Matty Beneers and just shoving him over, and he landed on his head. So hopefully he's okay, but he's out for the All Star game. And they have this rule, yeah, one player from every team. I guess it's just too late, Huss, to go get... They all have plans. They're going to Mexico or whatever you want to go to get some sun. And now none of the Seattle players were available, I'm assuming. You guys said, F that, I'm not going. Yeah, and they so got... Chandler Stevenson's available. Like, so I, I, Bernier's only the third leading scorer. I mean, he's got 36 points. Everly's got 38. Burakovsky's got 39. I don't know why one of those guys. And it really is too bad, which, again... Gets me back to the point where no one cares if every team is represented in the yes. All-Star game. What we need to do is have the best players in the All-Star game, but maybe expand the skills competition and have at least a couple guys from every team represented there. So they're all part of All-Star weekend. If you want to follow you guys, you can do it. 
but the actual game is for the Stars. Although from the sounds of it, the likes of the Kyle Connors, who certainly are worthy of being in the All-Star game, more than happy to pass on the festivities and uh, kick their feet up for a little bit and get away from the rink for a week. Yeah, Kyle Connor again, tweeting out, what did he, I'll pull it up right now. First half of the year all wrapped up. Time to get away and recharge. So he's happy to recharge. Yeah, they have this rule. I don't know. I saw saw a lot of Seattle fans upset they're not going to get a Seattle player. But when you're bail, you know, when you bail a week before the thing, hard to get guys get guys in. So one other thing about the All Star game, Bo Horvat. Now that he's actually on a, a metro a metro team in the Islanders, he will be playing for Pacific. So I, I guess repping Vancouver. Oh. That's, an, <laughs> that's, I guess, his last hurrah as a Canuck will be at the All-Star game. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know what? You're you're absolutely right. Uh, well, anyways, we'll have some more All-Star talk as we get closer to the game. We'll maybe get some of the guys that are out in and around South Florida to jump in uh, on it. I was thinking about maybe going there, just doing the show from a couple shows this week from Florida on the way down there if the AFC Championship game was in. Atlanta, but it wasn't. It ended up being in Kansas City, and that was just as well. There you go, folks. There it is. Bring it Whoa, home. Oh, where'd you get that? Oh, man. Is that a towel? They gave, they gave it out at the end. Yeah, I was the little towel, but it was way too cold to deal with, oh. so I just stuck it in my pocket. That's a, nice, and, uh, that's a nicer towel than I got when I went to the Royals uh, ALCS against against the Jays. So that's a really nice towel there. They've done do the, they, they've done, oh, I'll probably put it up somewhere. Maybe, you know, just. Not going to use it as like a napkin or anything? Well, ask ask me after next Sunday what I'll do with it. It'll either be a seminal part of an incredible Super Bowl championship yeah. or the highlight of my season before everything turned down. That being said, I couldn't be in a better mood right now. I mean, imagine, like, after all the doom and gloom about the Jets, and as I said, I did go out in KC, Blue Line Hockey Bar. Look, at, look uh, it up if you're in KC. One of the best hockey bars in North America, apparently it's been rated full center ice package they got the jets and flyers on and that was how i spent my saturday night in a great bar eating good food drinking beer but watching that and then i came back to hear rick bone rick bonus light up the team um but i thought positively we got great a great result on sunday and then man last night was um oh. was the result that we all needed here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Maybe the player, the fans as much as the players. Okay, we got some breaking news here. Shout out to Alex Howe. But first, we're getting comments in the chat that you're actually going to be um, crying in that towel next next Sunday. Listen, or listen, in two the, Sundays, the, I guess. Probably some of you bozos that were saying the same thing last week uh, before the okay. trip. Guess what? You were wrong. And uh, listen, bet against and don't Patrick Mahomes at your own risk. That's all I'll say. Um He's got a pretty good rate. Oh, let's go. From Adam Sean Schefter. Payton? Yeah, uh, breaking from Adam Schefter. Saints and Broncos finalizing comp- compensation in return for Super Bowl winning head coach Sean Payton. Sources tell ESPN this clears way for Payton to sign with the Broncos to become Denver's next head coach. And so Payton is expected to, to head to Denver as next. He wrote the same thing twice. Anyways, so Payton to Denver. Wow. I um, I'm amazed. First of all, I can't wait to hear what the compensation is going to be, because let's not forget that that top five pick that they should be getting because they were one of the worst teams in the league last year, is property the Seattle Seahawks for the Russell Wilson trade. 
the thought was that they were going to need at least a one and more picks or two ones to get Sean Payton. So now Payton's going in and he's going to be getting crazy power and tons of money, but he's not going to have a first-round pick for the next couple of years. Oh, and by the way, you're in the AFC West with the best player in the NFL that you have to go up against twice a year. Okay, do we really think Tom Brady's going to go to Vegas now? Peyton there in Denver, Andy Reid and Mahomes in Kansas City, Justin Herbert. Maybe what we thought we were going to get this year with that division being the best we've ever seen, maybe we were one year early. Maybe that'll be next year. It does make things a lot more interesting, and I know Bronco fans will be fired up. Yeah, that's a big. We'll have to see how this shakes out. Really disappointing year last year for the Broncos, and maybe he can turn Russell Wilson around to be you know, an effective quarterback. Uh, yeah, Brady and what Aaron Rodgers are the two veteran quarterbacks. We're trying to see what is going to happen with them, and you know, Aaron Rodgers not going. They're they're parting ways with Green Bay, right? Ba. Well, I mean, listen, that's possible, but I mean, he's got a contract, so they'd have to trade him. There's been rumors. Nathaniel Hackett signed with, uh, he's the new OC in New York with the Jets. And of course, they had quite a bit of success in Green Bay. He did not have any success in Denver as the head coach. Uh, but many people thought that he was announced as the head coach in advance of getting Rodgers to Denver. So, um, tell you what, next week, I know they'll be a little slow on the hockey with uh, the uh, the off week for the Jets. But, man, there's going to be a ton of football to talk about as as well as big stories from around the league for Super Bowl week. Um, B.A. says Brady 49ers. That I wouldn't have thought was a possibility at all. But now with the injury to Brock Purdy, um, I think it's on the table. Although with adding McCaffrey, Debo, Warner, Nick Bosa, I don't know whether Tom Brady can get the money that he wants. Um, if he's willing to play maybe for a little bit of a lesser contract, I mean, like not getting $40 million a year, they might be able to wait, make that work. And I think that certainly would be his best chance to win next year. I don't think that's happened with the Raiders. <clears throat> and even the Miami Dolphins, you're still in a pretty tough neighborhood there uh, in the AFC East and just the AFC in general with all those great young quarterbacks. Anyways, we'll have lots of time to talk about this over the course of the next week and a half before the Super Bowl and before the Jets return to the ice with that 9 p.m. game, South Asian Heritage Night, on uh, a week from Saturday, that 9 p.m. game. We got the compensation here. Do you want me to tell you? Yes, yes. Shout out to Alex. So here it is. Denver and the Saints been discussing two packages. One is their 2020, Denver's 2023 first rounder and next year's second rounder for Peyton and the Saints 2024 third or Denver's 2024 first round pick and 2023 fourth. Saints choice. Yes, and by the way, Denver does have a pick this year, but it's not their own. That's the pick they got from Miami when they traded former fourth overall pick Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. So where Schefter says Denver's 2023 first rounder, that's going to be the Dolphins pick. Okay. Um, and again, the 2024 first round pick and the 24th. So a first and a bit, not too bad uh, with the Bucks had to give up two first rounders to uh, John for John Gruden. Um, so I guess fair compensation. Nice move for the Saints. If he wasn't going to be coaching for them anymore, they at least get a first-round pick. Um, Isherboy Bruce says picks for coaches. Wouldn't it be nice if they had that in the NHL, like creating a pick 
for a coach? Do you think that would ever happen? Well, it has happened. I'm trying to think. Michelle Bergeron going from the Nordiques to the Rangers. That was for a first round as pick. Nordy, that's as a while, that was a long time ago. Yeah, but I mean, it's there's a lot of things that happened. I think that was like '88, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm trying to think if there's been that. Anyways, that definitely was a case. Was the case, and uh, there's probably someone in chat's gonna gonna remind us right now. There has to have been another coach that may have moved on for uh, for compensation. Well, it's a great topic to talk about tomorrow. We'll do a little digging, and we can get into all of that. Um, great to be back, though. Shout out to you and Lives for holding it down tomorrow re- or yesterday, oh. Reem. And uh, I just googled coach trades. <laughs> There's there is actually there have been a couple GM trades actually. So we'll hit we them up. Get to, what, what do we have here? Oh yeah, Mike Babcock. The Leafs got Babcock. The Red Wings got Lane Zeblocki. Short to the Hockey Raiders. He was a 2017 third round pick. The Oilers traded uh, Jack Stanica, a 2017 for Peter Chiarelli. And <laughs> let's see, uh, the Sabres signed Dan Bilesma, the Penguins. So this happens actually all the time. God, I'm I'm dumb. But but I mean, it's very li- little compensation. It's nothing, yeah. It's because just like a guys, it's, it's not- guys that had been fired already that were still under contract to their other teams. The Bergeron was literally a trade. And I'm pretty sure if you look up, if I'm not mistaken, was that first was a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, I just Googled NHL coach trade, and that was the first one that came uh, before the 87 draft. And he yep. was traded for a first-round pick in 75000 which was the first in NHL history. That's Jeez, awesome. That, that, you know what? That might be a good question for the March 29th sports trivia night at Little Brown uh, Jug. Remember the name uh, Michelle Bergeron. And a first-round pick, Quebec and the Rangers. We may have to pop that in. Anyways, we've got to get this pot up. I know there'll be a lot of people looking forward to the audio edition of WST today after that big jet win last night. Thanks to everyone that joined us today. If you haven't already, uh, hit that thumbs up on the way out. And uh, let, uh, let a friend know about Winnipeg Sports Talk as we get into the month of February. Um, big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Thanks to Benny Heiss, Scott Cullen, Mike McIntyre. Um, we'll get back at it tomorrow. And we'll be looking forward to getting Murat on the program. And um, we'll probably spend a little time going around the Central Division as well over the course of this next week and a half, talking more about um, the landscape of this division, of which the Jets are just one point out of first place heading into the All-Star break after the Morrissey game last night and the Jets' big win on home ice. Thanks for being with us, everyone. We will see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. on YouTube, right here on WST. Have a great one. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.